Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all-new edition of The Elite Beat, your source for all the AEW news, reviews, and previews. I'm Andy. I didn't introduce myself or any of uh, the other co-hosts last week, but we're going to correct that this week. Sitting across the table from me is Jenny. Hello. And 111 miles to our southwest is Megan. Hello. So before we do anything, I would just like to say that it is my position, uh, and I don't want to speak for my co-hosts because we didn't talk about this beforehand, but it's my position that Black Lives Matter and and uh, that's that's my position. That is also my position. 100%. Okay. The, the official position of the Elite Beat Podcast is that Black Lives Matter. Good. All right. And we will uh, we'll get more into that as we go on. But uh, before that, we're going to do what we do every week, which is... The Elite Beat Pop of the Week. That's right. The Elite Beat Pop of the Week. And what are we doing this week, Jenny? Well, Megan is actually handling the Elite Beat Pop of the Week this week. Oh, exciting. Yes, this was foisted on me. Can you tell me why, Jenny? Tell me why the responsibility was handed to me? Because you did some research and did a socially responsible action. Okay, that's like 66.67%, but what's the what's the one-third that's left over? <laughs> well, the See, 20- the numbers don't lie! <laughs> and they add up to disaster for you. <laughs> well, the 25% truth here is that Andy opened his beer before the podcast, and I'm almost done with my bottle of wine, so I have not cracked my claw yet. Okay. Thank you. Thank you for taking responsibility. And also, yes, I tried to be socially responsible this week, even though realistically, in the grand scheme of things, uh, I don't want anybody to think that I think this is the only thing I need to do. But here we go. So because Black Lives Matter, I looked up Black-owned businesses, and some of my favorite businesses are vineyards and breweries. And there was a brewery in Holland, Ohio, which is up by Toledo, I found out. And I did not get to make it to Jungle Gyms, so I'm going to try and see if they sell that next time I'm there. What's the name of that brewery? It is Black Frog. Black Frog, all right. Yes. Uh, And I assumed because it was in Ohio that I had a better chance of Jungle Gyms carrying it. But there are definitely other Black-owned breweries throughout the country. I just don't see Ohio as like a major market for many cool things, you know? Yeah, we didn't. Uh, we weren't able to find one in Columbus. Mm-mm. Yeah, it's we um, as well. We were. We don't have a Jungle Gems that carries like a huge variety. Yeah, and they don't list online what stuff they actually do carry. I assume because it changes, you know, fairly often. So I couldn't even verify. But I'm gonna try to get over there uh, and check it out. I was kind of in a rush to get something for tonight. So maybe next week we'll see. Jungle Jim's motto is, uh, just come in and see what we have. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I will, but, you know, maybe this weekend. Um, I'm not upset, though, because I love beer, but obviously, Jenny, our first love is wine. So I did find a vineyard that's based out of California that is owned by two women, one from New Zealand and one from California. And they are both, um, as they say on their website, they're both African-American And this is apparently the largest African-American-owned wine company in the United States. And it's called the uh, McBride Sisters Vineyard. So they... Is the one one from New Zealand or does she just live in New Zealand? I think she is from New Zealand. But she's not African-American. 
well, she's a person of color, so I'm going to okay. take that as it is. Um, she's African but Kiwi. Yeah. Well, it counts. Um, so basically, they found each other, and they both really love wine, and she came to California, so that's how they met, and they put, you know, put together a vineyard. So they have a lot of different wines, but the ones available in our Kroger's in Ohio is, I think they're like three. There's a white, uh, a red blend, which I picked up, and maybe another white one. Um, I'm not huge on the white wine, so I went with the red blend. But yeah, it's a, it's the McBride Sisters Collection Red Blend, and it says on the bottle that it expresses flavors of red cherry and blackberry with aromatic notes of cocoa and caramel. So I'm into it. Cool. I'm going to try to make this make a pop, but you know how red wines... Flick with your wrist. Okay. Okay. And there's my dog just clicking in for a cameo here. All right, here we go. Trying to do the wrist flick. Oh, not bad. That was pretty good. Okay. Andy can amplify that in editing. Fix it in post. (laughs) I can, actually. It's actually actually one of the few, like, editing tricks I know. Okay. Well, good. I'm glad it made uh, sort of a sound. It smells good. And this is, so these are, these are California grapes? Uh, yes. It doesn't say what the blend specifically is, but they're California vineyards. So, okay. yeah. Ooh. It's a pretty color Ooh. and it smells good. So let's see. Hmm. First taste. I'm, a, I'm into it. I'm going to keep sipping. Keep sipping on on it, obviously, throughout the podcast. You know it's three tastes before you get, like, the true flavor. Isn't that what they say, Jenny? Yeah, that's what the guy at Ludson told us. You have to coat your tongue. Yeah, so initial thoughts are good. Um, But I obviously need a couple more tastes to get the true flavor, apparently. So, recommended. Yeah, keep us posted if it turns out bad. Or good. Or better. I think it's just going to get better. And it's affordable. I appreciate that because my everyday weekday wine is not above $20. This way it's a $12 bottle, right? Uh, Yeah. At our Kroger, it was 12 bucks. Very decent. Yeah. Well, thank you, Megan. You're welcome. All right. Let's get into the rest of the show. Uh, as always, though, please follow us on Instagram at the Elite Beat Pod. Jenny uh, curates that Instagram for us and makes all the posts and films all the the funny videos from Dynamite and other AEW content and makes me rewind and pause and say, oh, let me get a good shot of that. And uh, so, yeah, so you can find all that stuff up there. And we will start this week with Being the Elite, episode 206, entitled Gig. Here's the story of this episode. Brandon Cutler goes into the EVP's locker room, says, guys, it's time to do media. They don't want to do media. They ask him to come back in five minutes, and he does. But then when he does, Matt, Nick, and Kenny are all bloody. Nick blames QT Marshall. Matt blames New Jack. Wait, who's New Jack? He's a wrestler who makes people bleed. Oh, if this had been a New Jack job, it would have been way worse. Yeah. And uh, Matt Hardy comes in, and uh, not broken Matt Hardy, just regular Matt Hardy, 
and says that he thinks the four horsemen are responsible because uh, he saw Arn and Tully. And turns out they were faking. It's like Cody. Nick used vampire blood. Kenny used ketchup. And Matt... Cut himself used with a, a blade. Used a blade. And uh, the, the term gig is used. And then uh, Matt Hardy stops the uh, multiverse to explain to us what gigging is. I wish someone else would explain these terminologies. You don't enjoy terms of the inside described with broken brilliance? No. I would love terms <laughs> of the inside described by any other person. I really like these segments. I think they're funny. I, I'm i going to say something that I that I've been thinking about for a few weeks now. And Megan, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. I, sus- I suspect that I'm not wrong. I suspect that you really like Matt Hardy now. Oh, no. <laughs> I think I do. No! <laughs> I think it happened slowly and Where's I didn't notice. Solidarity? I think it snuck up on me. He just wore you down. Don't, don't, don't give in. I still have moments where I roll my eyes and think it's gone too far, but there have been some real highlights these last weeks that I think, I mean, the stadium stampede, the tag team. He didn't do anything to the stadium stampede. Everyone else did the great stuff. He, he like turned into like three different characters. No, no. The only good part about his part was when it said like he can hold his breath for 347 seconds, which I did find as a lie. Very interesting. But relevant. He also drove the golf cart. Yeah, but Kenny really made that meme. Anyone could have driven. Look, I'm not saying that I, like, love the Hardy Boys or anything. I just think Matt has found a good outlet for his creativity. And I've enjoyed it. And also, I think this week, Jenny, his classic Matt Hardy was fine. Like... Without the grading Damascus character, are you okay with him? I mean, he still went to the Damascus stuff at the end of this episode. Yeah, but I mean, okay, I'm jumping ahead. On Dynamite, when he was did his segment there, did you find that off-putting, or was that okay with you? I watched Dynamite. Okay. Did okay. I <laughs> see this, Andy? I, I think you did. <clears throat> I, um... I was about five claws deep in dynamite. Well, then you probably loved everything Matt Hardy did at that point. <laughs> no, she was just staring at her phone. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I think he somehow weaseled his way into my heart, or at least I don't hate him anymore. Yeah. All right, that was right. Uh, it feels weird. It feels like a weight has been lifted. Everyone thinks Cody's a real dumbass for uh, for cutting himself. Are you talking about the internet or just you guys? No, every all the EVPs think he is. Well, yeah. You think that's what that was a yeah. comment on? Yeah, 100%. Okay. And if we ever get a YouTube show, I'll passive-aggressively talk about the stuff I don't like about Megan on the YouTube show. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> 
Nice. Because you're bad at passive aggression, and I'm just going to know straight up what you're saying. <laughs> so uh, then in, in a little more realistic uh, toned-down setting, we see the Jackson brothers at Daily Pl- Daily's Place, and they're excited uh, at having teamed up with Matt Hardy the night before on Dynamite. This, this was the first time they'd actually been like a regular tag team match with him, and uh, they're very excited. And apparently that trio is now known as the Spot Monkeys. So, for future Chiron purposes, I guess. Uh, public swole announcement. Don't put Lysol down your throat. She's about four weeks late on her joke. Yeah. I this agree one, with you. Timing isn't her strong suit. I'm sorry, I talked over you, Megan. No, it was ironic because you have your criticism. But I, I think that's fun. Keep, <laughs> keep it in. <laughs> Uh, Brandon Cutler finds the best friends there in the women's locker room, and apparently Trent had told Brandon that he had an idea for a BTE bit, but he just stammers for like 30 seconds and has he has no idea for a BTE bit, and they cut away. Uh, Jenny forgot about the hybrid too. I forgot they existed. Honestly, Jenny, same. Yeah, right? Like, they put up TH2, and I thought... Is this Trent's bit? Like, wh- how does this like like go with Trent? And then Angelico was on the screen. I'm like, who the hell is that? It took me about thirty seconds of him being on the screen to realize who he was and that the hybrid two existed. Like, legit, that's truthful. Like, I totally forgot about them. Yeah, I mean, uh, I believe you. <laughs> I so this is a thing that they've been doing on this this is like the third segment like this that's happened, but the first two were on road twos. Um oh. I don't know why. I guess maybe maybe road two's done because there wasn't a road two this week. Um so what are gonna, they road so gonna, twoing? Just they road two dynamite every week. Oh really? Yeah. They used to road two the pay per views. Yeah, they've been road road toing dynamite um, every week. That seems unnecessary. Okay, um, but yeah, so this they've migrated the hybrid to road two stuff over to BTE, and the only thing I really took away from this, aside from Angelico being pissed off at the Dark Order and Jurassic Express, is that when he turned it over to Jack, Jack cut a really weird promo. Where he named a where he, he basically used the promo to list a bunch of wrestling video games. Yeah, maybe he's just real bored in isolation. Maybe. Anyway, this, is, this didn't do a lot for me. Is um Angelico in the States or did no. he Okay, so he's stuck in South Africa? Or Mexico. I think he might live in Mexico like Jack does. Uh-oh. Oh, okay. I didn't realize he lived in Mexico. So that's... I, don't, I don't know that he does, but he obviously lives somewhere that's not America because he hasn't been around. Yeah. Because they'd I... at least be bringing him for dark or something. I would have thought, yeah. When I saw them, I unlike Jenny, I did remember who they were, but it did make me think, why hasn't at least Jack been on the tapings? Because I just assumed he lived in America, but then I do remember you have said in the past that he lives in Mexico. Yeah, no, yeah, Jack 100% lives in uh, in uh, Mexico. Okay, well, I guess they'll 
get here eventually. Probably. It, it has been a while. It's been a while. It's been three months. Well, uh, let's see. Things shut down in mid-March, so it's been about two and a half months. I'm surprised they haven't had them doing video things like they have with everybody else. If only to keep them sort of relevant in people's minds. Well, they have been on YouTube, just not on TNT. Mm. Kenny Omega is backstage. He is determined to pound that Colt Cabana. But he once again runs into Chris Harrington, who terrifies him. So he doesn't get to pound Colt Cabana. Instead, he cowers at Chris Harrington, former co-host of the podcast WrestleNomics. Uh, best friends still don't have an idea, but Chuck comes up with a an idea where he could wrestle Moxley for the belt, and Trent and Orange could just distract the referee, distract the referee, distract the referee, and then Trent, you know, rightly cuts him off and says, that's just a match. That's not a BTE bit. And Chuck says, yeah, you're right. So Trent, <laughs> he comes up, his idea just turns out to be him pitching the plot of the land before time. <laughs> I like that. Was it Orange who literally said, are you just talking about land before time? It was it's Chuck tough. who did that. Orange Cassidy's uh, pitch, which was predicted by Chuck Taylor, <laughs> was just the Fast and the Furious. He's just going to go in the stall and, and pull out the Fast and the Furious. He's just going to go in the stall. Family. I drink Corona. Ooh. <laughs> which is exactly what he did. Uh, Dustin Rhodes... Runs into Binano Bodega, and thus Jenny and I skipped this segment. Megan, did you did you also skip this segment? Uh, n- no, I think I tuned out. I mean, it played <laughs> on my screen. Uh, I don't really remember what the outcome was, except for maybe Dustin being mad. Okay, yeah, but well, I could I couldn't verify. <laughs> I can't. I just can't with Binano Bodega. Yeah, I don't really get it. Speaking of not really getting it. We get to the finale of the Private Party movie. It's finally over. Thank God. It was interestingly filmed, but I didn't really enjoy any of it. I thought the scary guy lost a lot of scariness once we got a good solid camera shot of him. Yeah, when he was like kind of just when you just get a glimpse of him, it was it was a lot it was a lot more frightening. Mm-hmm. It, it did this did give us EJ and the switch guy though. So for that, I'm I'm. I guess it was worth it. Yeah. Get them into the mix. I like EJ. I thought the bear was cute. The bear was cute. I like that it exploded whenever it landed on people. (laughs) And in the final segment, Hangman comes into the EVP locker room and and Broken Matt is there. And and Broken Matt is talking to the EVPs about Abraham Lincoln. And Not a lot of... Broken... Matt Hardy is a lot. Hangman wants to talk to the elite in private, and he doesn't understand Broken Matt. And they try to explain to him that, like, well, he has multiple personalities. And Hangman says, are they all baby faces? <laughs> Love that. Are any of them baby faces? I, I think they're all baby faces. Really? So they're, on, they're on the elite side. I've not found one of these to be a face. What? Not even Surge of High Voltage? <laughs> The weirdest one. Guys, want to do some flips? Oh my yeah, gosh. maybe that one. Maybe. Uh, finally, 
uh, Broken Matt has had enough of being boxed out, and he addresses the man that hangs. And uh, Hangman is, he corrects him and says, that no, 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 I'm, I'm Hangman. And he says, yes, the man that hangs. And they go back and forth with that for a while. And finally, Matt determines that Hangman has the essence of Benjamin Franklin in him, and he's very excited, and because he hasn't seen Benjamin Franklin since the night that he flew the kite with the key or whatever. And uh, Hangman gets kind of freaked out and goes away, and that's the end. I agree with Hangman. I was going to say, I thought of Jenny so much when I was watching Hangman's face throughout this whole thing. It's I, I saw my face. Your face that you make when you watch Matt Hardy? Yep. In any form, broken <laughs> or classic. Yep. So that was BTE. It was it was okay. <laughs> Wasn't anything like super special about it this week. Uh, and that takes us to AEW Dark, which, hey, I watched this show. Megan I, watched this show. Yeah. This show was like, this was like AEW Dark. It was, only shorter, which is great. Yeah, it was like 40, what, for about 44 minutes, 45 well, that's minutes. still pretty yeah. long. Yeah, but, but it used to be an hour. Yeah, the normal runtime was always an hour, which we all got used to. And then, right. and then it went down to 15 minutes, and it's like, how do you bounce back from that? You don't Apparently run it for an hour, an hour and a half. Oh, no, that was a bad move. They should, have, they should ease us into it. It should have been 44 minutes moving forward, and then maybe kick it up to an hour. I think we all would have accepted that transition a little better. Yeah, so this was this was a five match show. Uh, it even had like a like a storyline that went on throughout the night and kind of paid off at the end. So I it was I was Ooh. I was really I really enjoyed watching it to be quite honest. Yeah, it felt good to get back to it in a way. Yeah. So we start out with uh, Billy of the Gun Club versus John Schuyler, and uh, I thought this was a fun match. The highlight for me was. They did a, you know, your standard uh, spot where a guy jumps and, and, and the other guy is supposed to go under his legs. But instead, Billy just stopped when the guy jumped. And he looked at him and he said, he held out his hand like at a very low distance. He said, you jumped that high. Was I supposed to go under that? <laughs> and the guy says, John Skyler says, you're really tall. And then Billy screams, jump higher. And, uh, yeah. Did he jump higher? I don't remember if he jumped again. I don't know if he had another chance to jump because Billy, in short order, won with the fame asser. Yeah, they were they were arguing, so it wasn't like he still had momentum from the ropes. I think they just got into a punching match. Yeah, I thought this was. I thought I really enjoyed Billy in this match, though. Yeah, he's kind of weirdly fun. I I don't remember too much of his days back in the Attitude Era, and because it was that time, I probably hated everything. Sure, but. Yeah. He seems like he has a really good sense of humor and just looks like he came back here to AEW to have some fun. Absolutely, yeah. And to, to, to coach some some young talent. Uh, QT Marshall arrives late to a promo with the Nightmare family, Brandy and Dustin, because he was buying a Corvette with Allie. As you do. As you do. It's a blue Corvette because that's Allie's favorite color. And they're not happy with him. Brandy thinks that the new hair has gone to QT's head. What did he do to his hair? He did like, like I don't know, hair plugs? transplant or plugs or something. It looks it looks good. Yeah, hair plugs summon up an image of just very badly done 
hair stuff, but QT mm. actually looks it looks natural. I think, must be getting I think good that technology that. has like improved a lot. That's good. I mean, it's a little hypocritical of her to say that he's changed since his hair transplant, but not comment on the changes in her husband since his neck tattoo. Well, <laughs> we can what about Cody's neck tattoo all night long. <laughs> anyway, so like they're supposed to go, you know, get together, but then then Allie's like, no, let's go get something to eat. So he drives off with Allie in the Corvette and they go go get some food. It's a weird storyline. Trouble brewing. Speaking of Allie, next up is The Butcher and the Blade versus John Cruz and Joe Alonzo, the uh, the fake death prankster himself. Oh my that... god, they let him back in? Yeah, I, I never heard follow-up on that. Who knows? So uh, we don't know if that was confirmed or not? No, we don't know. Okay. Butcher and Blade went with full death. Which... Took me a minute because I was like, oh, right, they have a finishing move. I didn't know they had a finishing move. <laughs> you don't remember when um, when MJF screamed at them, oh, do yeah. full death. I thought he meant, like, actually kill. No, that's their, that's their finishing <laughs> okay. move. Okay. Do a murder. Do a murder. So have we determined whether or not the blade has just dyed his skull or if he has little baby hairs that he dyed? He's got... So. Yeah, it's got it's like uh, it's like Marshall Mathers circa two thousand one or so. Who's Marshall Mathers? Eminem. But if he doesn't have hair in the front. Well, he's balding. Yeah. Right, but so did he bleach the top part in the front? I don't think so. I don't think he like bulched scalp or bleached scalp. Did I say bulched? You did. Yeah. That's, not a word. <laughs> That's the term for when you bleach your scalp. Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what I thought. I was like, "Wow, that's official." No, I think that because it's bleached and his the top of his head is bald, it just kind of looks you know, you know, like he didn't bleach his skull, but the way his hair is, it tricks the eye. <laughs> I, don't, okay. I don't know a better way of saying it, but he definitely just looks like maybe he got bored in the quarantine and didn't shave his head as much. And it grew in a little, and then he just bleached what was there. Huh. So, Butcher and Blade squash these guys. The shortest woman in the world interviews Cutler and Avalon. Uh, they argue, and Leva Bates solves the problem. She determines that two negatives make a positive, and they're going to team up to try to get their first win. They've already done that, they and po- it didn't work. They point out they've already done that, but she says this time she's going to be there to help. How can she help? She's never helped Peter Avalon do anything before. All right. And what wins does she have? Next up, we get Christy Janes versus Killen King. She won a tag team match where she, her partner was Nyla Rose. Who never tagged her in the whole time. She still has one more win than either of them. Christy Janes versus Killen King from Painesville, Ohio? Yeah, I heard that. She's from Ohio? I, I googled Painesville, Ohio. It's a I, town. It's on the way up north. Okay. Right. It's like middle towards yeah. the north. I assumed right. it was one of those out in the middle of nowhere towns. Yeah. Okay. I've been through Painesville. Killing King is very tall. Uh, but even though she's a jobber, and I guess Christy Janes is also a jobber, but like it looks like they might be signing Christy Janes because she has like a personality and... And had a long match with Kurt. With no, who did she have a long match with? Sheeta, I thought. It was, was Sheeta before she won the title, right? Yeah. Or no, or right after she won the title. 
Oh, yeah, last week. Okay. Oh, she Cole Cabana's girl. Yeah, yeah. But even so, even though she was just wrestling Killing King, she uh, pulled her trunks off a cradle to win the match. So she still cheated, I guess, because just because she's a heel. Yeah, you gotta get that cheat in. Santana and Ortiz versus Big Game Leroy and EJ Lewis. And Megan, this is what I wrote. <laughs> this is what I wrote to ask you as I was watching this. Is this, guys, it's me, EJ, this is my house? Yes. Yeah, and I, it's, as it turned out, I didn't have to ask you that because after him, the Switch guy came out and I wrote, and it's the Switch guy. So I, at that point, I was pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, I, I recognized him. And thought, oh yeah, I guess it does make sense that he's a wrestler because he was taking bumps in the backyard. Yep. Yeah. So, but but I think the real question is, was that his house? He kept he saying it was. It was. <laughs> and they I knew he was a wrestler from the first skit, but what I wasn't sure about even through the last skit was, was it his house? <laughs> it so seems your question. like. It seems like Private Party had to travel to get there. Yeah. So this is what I determined from listening to the commentary. Uh, Leroy and EJ are Private Party's Padawans the same way Private Party are Santana and Ortiz's Padawans. As long as they're not younglings, they're okay. Does that work from an age perspective? It works from a generational perspective. As far as, like, when they got into the business. Oh, so Private Party, how long have they been doing this? I don't know. Longer than EJ and... Uh, well, yeah, sure, but is it, like, a year longer, or is it five years longer? I don't know the answer. I didn't even know this were a, a team until yesterday. Hmm. So Santana Ortiz are, like, Qui-Gon, and Private Party are Obi-Wan, and EJ and Leroy are Anakin. Shit. That's not a good sign for that. That does not bode well. Nope. Nope. Now, was that that man playing a Sega? Oh, yeah. Yes. The highlight of this match was definitely Taz's commentary, where he repeatedly referred to Leroy's, big game Leroy's Switch as a Sega and a Game Boy. At least Game Boy is in, like, the same family. Purposefully? Yeah. And is a handheld. Yeah. <laughs> yes. A Sega is definitely not a handheld. Yeah. Now, I will say this. The Switch does look more like a Sega Game Gear than it does a Game Boy, but I don't think Taz knew enough to say that. Wait. No. So you don't think he was doing that purposefully? Do you think he's that out of touch? No, I, I think... Well, okay. I think he is, A, I think he is that out of touch, but I think he was having fun with being that out of touch. Because right. Excalibur was there to actually give the information that it's a Nintendo Switch and banter with him about these game systems, but he's definitely no Tony Schiavone with his PS4 that he's addicted to. Right, yeah. How old is Taz? 50-something. Oh, he looks younger than 50. Alright. Good for him. He does. No, he I, looks like he's in his 40s. I believe you. I'm not... <laughs> and I, I would think someone in their 40s would know what a Switch was. He'll be 53 this year. Does he have kids? I think that's probably a predictor too. He has a wife. <laughs> <laughs> According to 
Google, he has a uh, son named Tyler. Tyler? Why aren't you asking your father for a Nintendo Switch? Right? Yeah. They're hard to find these days, but still. Yeah. It's fun because he's so happy and nice in his commentary, but then on Dynamite, he goes into meme Taz mode. Uh, yes, that's true. Uh, so yeah, so Santana Ortiz win with the Street Sweeper uh, pretty pretty easily, but I still I, I enjoyed this. It was they they kind of um, it seemed like they were toying with him a little bit. Yeah, they're mean boys. They're mean boys, and Ortiz is like is they kind of play it like Ortiz is Santana's dog sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> and he's like off the leash. Mm-hmm. And then the main event, the Natural Nightmares, Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall defeated Peter Avalon and Brandon Cutler. Um, Avalon kicked Brandon Cutler's die when he rolled it during their entrance. It's because they're not friends. Yeah. And uh, Did Brandon kick his book? No. Brandon's a nice man. <laughs> and the Natural Nightmares win... After a Canadian destroyer from Dustin and a QT cutter, or as apparently as Allie let us know as she was on commentary, it is now the Red Delicious, and it is the diamond cutter that was gifted to him by Dime Dallas Page. So Brandon and Peter both remain zero in the wins column, and they both kind of lost at the same time. When do you think a when do you think they're going to finally do a match? And B, are they going to even give it the dignity to be on Dynamite, or is it going to be a dark match? Ooh, I could see it being something like maybe a pre- pre-show Fighter Fest match. Oh, like a buy-in thing? Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's important, but also... That would be putting... difficult, given Fighter Fest is going to be on TNT. Oh, okay. Well, maybe not Fighter Fest, but it's like always, as usual, paying attention to those graphics. There was a lot of graphics, guys. I know Fighter Fest is coming up. I just count on you to tell me when it actually is. You know, give give me the info a little closer to the time it's happening. Mm-hmm. But uh, okay, so maybe not Fighter Fest, but they're building it up. So I would hope that they give them at least the dignity of a dynamite at that point and not blow off. On a dark. Can they can they build it all the way up to more uh, to Labor Day weekend for uh, the the buy in for All Out? Honestly, probably. It's yeah. not like they're on TV every single week, or they don't have to be. It's true. So. Um, yeah. So Allie was on commentary, and she was you know talking about how good QT is and how bad Brandy and Dustin are, and when asked about the Butcher and the Blade. She went very silent. Hmm. Because she's working for them. That's what I think. I think it's all a setup for a natural yeah. nightmares versus butcher and blade feud. That makes sense. I mean, I guess. Like, <laughs> like it makes <laughs> more sense than her just suddenly being into QT Marshall. Yeah, I guess that's true. But it's maybe they'll have a good reason for it. I don't know. But anyway, anyway, but like because of all that. And because it had a normal number of matches, and because they had a storyline that ran throughout throughout the show, uh, I really liked Dark this week. 
Yes, I agree. I, I thought it was a good return to form. And they already announced that Mox is going to wrestle on Dark next week, so that's exciting. His first match on Dark, they said. Well, they said the first time the AEW champion would be on Dark, because oh, if okay. you recall, and actually, you know what? He was champion when that happened. Do, do you remember, he wrestled on Dark um, at, like, at the very beginning of the pandemic era, and the point of him wrestling on Dark was he because he killed uh, um, Fabu Andre, and then Jake Hager came out and blindsided him and attacked him. Oh, yeah. So they totally lied about that. They lie to us all the time. Yeah. I don't think Cody was putting this together, Jenny. <laughs> I so get the sense the... Cody lies all the time in your head. Yeah, so I knew, I knew, so I was, when I heard that, I was like, oh, they just mean like as the champion. But then I thought about it more and they're like, no, he was the champion when that happened. So I don't know what their problem is. Anyway, that was dark. Um, I want to remind you once again to follow us at the Elite Beat Pod on Instagram. We're going to move on to Megan's Dynamite recap. But first, Jenny, what are you doing? I'm opening my claw. What flavor you got there? I've got tangerine. That's a new one. Yeah, so I uh, tried the Variety 2-pack this week. The Variety Pack 2 this week. And it had four different flavors than the original four that we tried. It had lemon, tangerine, watermelon, and mango. And I have officially ranked my claw flavors. I'm going to pull up my text to Megan to make sure that I don't misorder. Here's my official ranking. One, lemon. Two, lime. Three, tangerine, which is coincidentally what I'm going to drink here. Four, raspberry. Five, mango, then grapefruit, cherry, and watermelon. Now, Jenny, if you're feeling wild, you should mix the lemon and lime flavors. Oh, I want to mix the lemon and lime. I want to mix the lemon and raspberry to make raspberry lemonade. Okay. You open my claw. I can't get it. Okay. I'm glad you're on board with kind of experimenting with the flavors. Yeah, Andy got me a slushy maker, so I'm going to try making a slushy for next week. What? Yeah, I'm, I'm so really jealous. excited. I'll let you know how it goes. Oh, excellent. Let's get into the dynamite. Uh, I guess it makes sense that the opening of this show was a very brief message about Black Lives Matter. Unsurprisingly, AEW is on the favoring side of Black Lives Matter. Uh, I will say that what they showed was basically like a black screen with, uh, I didn't write down the exact verbiage, but it was like, we see you, we hear you. And my only criticism of it was that I very much thought this could be either a Black Lives Matter message or a Dark Order commercial <laughs> up until we got to the Black Lives Matter part. Huh. <laughs> didn't see that. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> I just, it was generic text on a black screen and the verbiage they use. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but I was like, I'm not sure where this is going. And I, 
I think like you pointed out that they pre-taped this show, so maybe they'll do something more next week. But I expected Brandy or Cody to get on a microphone on video and say something, even if it was just a quick clip. So this was a little generic, I guess. Yeah, or even like the announcers to say something. Yeah. Well, I get the announcers were taped, but this just seemed, I don't know. I don't want to criticize it because I'm, it's good that they're putting it out there, but it seemed very minimal versus what I'd expect a company with their values to put out, especially considering their chief brand officer is a woman of color. Yeah. And I mean, you know, their owner is a man of color. Yeah, that too. He doesn't like uh, it on camera, he said. Yeah. And actually, Shadcon wrote a big thing yesterday uh, about racism in America, and, and uh, which was interesting. Are you going to read it for us? I will, if you'd like. I'm curious. Yeah, me too. Okay. The events of the past 10 days have been alarming and disheartening. Alarming because we know the history of systemic inequity that brought us to this point, not only with the recent killing of George Floyd and other African-Americans in our country, but also the disproportionate impact the coronavirus has wreaked in communities of color. Disheartening because this familiar sequence of killing, followed by protest and civic unrest, followed by inactivity and silence, occurs ever more frequently in our nation. The video capturing the final moments of George Floyd's life offer the latest horrific evidence of injustice that is all too prevalent in the U.S. No families in this country should have to go to bed at night worrying about whether their children are going to encounter the wrong police officer in the wrong moment. No family should have to worry about their child losing their life just because of the color of their skin. Yet they do. That should never happen in what should be, and I still believe is, the greatest nation on the planet. I came to the United States from Pakistan in 1967 with $500 in my pocket and faith in the American dream. Opportunities to learn and succeed are abundant, and more than 50 years later, I am forever grateful and proud to be a citizen of the United States. Nonetheless, while I pursued my goals as a student and later in the workforce, being a Muslim American made me a frequent target of prejudice, discrimination, and hatred. I won't claim to know what it means to be a young African American today, but I can speak honestly and painfully to my own experiences as a person of color for the past 53 years in this country. Even recently, I have had people spew racist language in my presence when talking about other people of color apparently ignorant of my ethnicity. Change for all people of color in the United States is long overdue, and it must happen now. I know change is possible, and here's one reason why. While I am often described as self-made, the truth is I benefited tremendously from hundreds of good and generous people early on from all walks of life who supported me unconditionally and contributed mightily to my realization of the American dream. My classmates, professors, fraternity brothers, colleagues, friends, and family all helped to shape the person I am today. Opportunity and some help along the way allow us all to do great things. I also know what impact economic opportunity can have on marginalized families. The most rewarding professional accomplishment of my life has been the recent opening of my company's automotive plants in the underserved areas of Chicago and Detroit. People in those areas only need an opportunity and hope to break the relentless cycle of poverty and oppression. It is inspiring and why I'm also committed with the Jaguars to investing in uh, developments we envision for downtown Jacksonville, where new jobs will result in immediate and sustainable livelihoods. My overarching goal or mission is to do my part to level the playing field so everyone has the same access and opportunity to achieve the American dream without fear or compromise. As a member of the NFL family, I recognize I have a unique opportunity to address inequity whenever it is present 
expand opportunity for all who seek it, and seek justice for all who deserve it. I take that responsibility seriously. In Jacksonville, I frequently meet with Jaguars players to better understand their experiences and concerns. I can only imagine their range of emotions today in the wake of all that has unfolded in 2020. I know they are hurting, yet also committed to doing good in Jacksonville, in the communities where they were raised and will always consider home. Mindful of this, I will listen to the players in the days ahead with an exceptionally keen ear so we can work with them to make the transition from conversation to actionable plans in the name of lasting change. And I will do the same with employees and associates throughout my various businesses where the interests and concerns on this matter are no less vital. Racial discrimination has no place in our society. That's been said, but what's been done? We must have the answer today and we will work with players, staff and more to arrive at a timely response because this moment, while agonizingly similar in many ways, is unlike any other in our history for underserved people and communities in the United States. We cannot attack the virus of racism with indifference or periodic attention. We cannot expect an easy cure or give up when the quest becomes inconvenient or uncomfortable. Most of all, we cannot fail our children, children who deserve to know they have the same opportunity to earn a living, have a family and live safely, no matter the color of their skin. Racism in all its forms will kill. It kills peoples, it kills communities, it kills dreams, it kills hope. For many Americans, now is the moment. Never has that been clear. I don't want to wait. Oh. It's good I'm speech. Glad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like hard to follow that. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I hope that means he deeply regrets his donations to the uh the trump inauguration i'm hoping that means there won't be any more for this election cycle i will say this as best i can tell and there's a website called open secrets which kind of keeps track of p p political donations because they are a public record um he hasn't donated money to a Republican since 2017, and the last seven political donations he's made have been to Democratic candidates and causes. I think it's more than politics, though. Like, this whole thing is more than politics. It is. I mean, but... it's a systemic issue that has been in our country since the beginning, and it, it's more, it's bigger than politics. Yeah, but he directly funded the president who currently says... Antifa, which isn't even like an That's... organized thing, is a terrorist group. Yeah, and like I mean, our 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 president's a racist. I mean, yeah, he supported a racist. Uh, I get it. I get it. I just it's. I I feel relieved to know that he supported Trump, and then, I'm assuming having seen, the horrible results of that, immediately switched to supporting more sane reasonable people yeah, i'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. He do, specifically he donated to cory booker's presidential campaign which of course did not you know pay dividends but uh that's who he was that's who he was backing yeah i mean i'm just happy he he saw the light on the whole trump thing and and made the switch i'm he learned he grew not gonna hold it against him yeah yeah no i I'm with you. Okay, so heavy start. <laughs> <laughs> but did want to get that out of the way. Yeah. Uh, and again, just want to emphasize that the stance of 
it sounds like everyone on this podcast, because we all verified it, is Black Lives Matter. And please support local and, I guess, international black businesses and your fellow man. And don't be racist. And don't just not be racist. Be anti-racist specifically. Don't say don't say all lives matter. Specifically, don't say all lives matter when you're responding to someone who says black lives matter. Yeah, it, it's yeah. It, no one has ever said only black lives matter. We are saying we know everyone matters. We black lives specifically matter right now because they are in danger, and he, that's what this is about. We use an analogy with the pants pissing for yeah. coronavirus. Here's the analogy that I've seen that I think best describes. Black Lives Matter. Uh, if if two ha- if if there's a neighborhood and a house is on fire and the fire department comes and starts using their hoses on every house in the neighborhood, that doesn't help the house that's on fire. Exactly. And Black Lives is the house that's on fire right now. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Also, uh, don't say you don't see color because that's not helpful. And I think it was specifically Brandy. Uh, Andy, I remember you telling me something Brandy had said. I don't know if it was a podcast or or some other form. Or maybe it was Cody repeating what Brandy said. But basically, when you say you don't see color, you erase an entire facet of a person of color. Color is their experience. They are a person of color. Saying you don't see color is bad. You should see color, and then you should understand how that context affects their lives. I think, I think if I remember correctly, uh, her response before like elaborating was if you don't see color, you don't see me. Yes. Unfortunately, Le Champion is an all lives matter guy. Oh no. Yeah. Are you serious? Oh, I'm serious. But that's, it's not, Oh, that's what's so frustrating. No one's saying that not all lives matter saying that there is a, a problem and people and black people are in danger right now and we need to address the danger we need to address the house that's on fire we do but here's my hope is he's in a company full of a diverse colorful cast and i hope that much like with the coronavirus somebody explains to him and i hope it's a white person because good lord stop putting the work on every person of color ever to explain this but somebody tells them their experience and he has the open mind that he did before and he just learns and he chooses to take it in because he he was very inclusive of nyla rose when she was on the podcast and he even admitted that he didn't always get what trans was but he he listened and he learned so somebody out there in the company is probably going to bump up against him saying that and help adjust his viewpoint. I hope. I mean, Chris Jericho grew up in a time where like, it was not that far from Martin Luther King and all the protesting, like, you know, he also grew up in Winnipeg. Well, yeah, but I'm still like, it's racism is. Yeah. But it's so prevalent. I, I think that the people who I, I don't, there's no way to phrase this without me sounding like I'm apologizing for people being racist, but <laughs> race, I will say this, racism comes in all forms. It doesn't necessarily mean you're going out and lighting crosses on fire, you know? It's not always, like, about hatred. It's about 
treating people differently, whether you consciously know it and acknowledge it or not. So, like, you can be racist without me saying, oh, you're part of the KKK, right? Like, that's, that is the, that is turned up to 11 level of racist. But, like, you can do racist things and consider yourself not a racist. I think people that say all lives matter, some of them say it because they don't really understand how it in itself is being racist. You know? Yeah, I get that. And and I don't think that Jericho, I hope, because he seems like a nice man, I hope he's not saying that to oppose the support for Black Lives Matter. And God help me, I hope he's not calling that a terrorist organization like other people. I just think he's probably one of the more less informed people that is saying it because he's trying to be centrist about that the issue you know like I can't speak for him obviously I've never met him I don't know him but he doesn't seem like his intent is to put down anybody else and I would think that he wouldn't go far in in that company if he had that attitude um I think there would be a quick reprimand from multiple people on the roster because they are full of people of color and uh I don't think any of them are shy about explaining what how that hurts the community and and the cause looks like he deleted that tweet all right yeah. maybe somebody got to him yeah. this is most recent tweet uh is just says rest in peace George Floyd okay I mean, JR got called out on Twitter for using she pronoun, like she, her pronouns for Sunny Kiss. And I just love the interaction you sent me a screenshot of where somebody called him out and he said, I talked to Sunny Kiss and confirmed that that he uses both she, her and he, him pronouns. So it's cool. And then Sunny Kiss responded, heck yeah, let's get back to like the bigger issues, Black Lives Matter. Yes, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So, like, I feel like if you're in that company, you're in an environment where if somebody tells you you are wrong, it's not in, like, an attacking way. And it's probably the best place for somebody to be corrected and given the opportunity to learn and grow. So, I'm hopeful. I am, too. And, Megan, did you yeah. did you see the... <laughs> did you see the Randy Orton babyface turn coming? <laughs> No, I didn't. <laughs> I hate Randy Orton so much, but I can't hate him for this. He did so well. <laughs> God, it angers me so much. I mean, it's good, but it angers me that I have to acknowledge that maybe he has a good side. <sighs> Go to the he, papers, Randy. So in case, for anyone who doesn't know, Black Lives, the, the, what Randy Orton said was, Randy Orton said Black Lives Matter, hashtag Black Lives Matter, out of nowhere, just like the RKO. And he he had a response that was, stop spreading hate and segregation. Try unity and working together. People need to change. Not something needs to change. All lives matter. To which Randy said, All lives do matter, but the point I was trying to make is that I finally realized that until black lives matter, they can't. Get it? Damn, Randy. You said it. Yeah. So good for Randy. Yes. Yeah, honestly, I didn't Maybe he can talk to Chris. 
<laughs> Look, I hate Randy Orton. I would never just decide he's a racist, but I didn't think he'd come out as like a, on a social justice issues. I kind of just figured he'd be quiet. I didn't either, man. I was I was very I was delightfully surprised by that. Yes, and uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that apparently uh, Jackson Riker, his colleague runs the opposite way and also put that on Twitter and then a bunch of the wrestlers in his company were like yo bro yo that's... fuck you yeah I that's think, fucked Kevin Owens basically literally said fuck you yeah <laughs> Ricochet was very nice and he didn't need to be so <laughs> was Ali yeah I love Ali though because he's always put out such a positive vibe that it's not I don't feel like he does it because he thinks he has to be nice. I think he's just like a full-on, genuinely nice person. Like, go listen to the Talk is Jericho, I believe it was, or maybe the Austin podcast. He's done a couple with Ali where he talks about his time as a Chicago cop. And I cannot believe the patience and kindness he approaches people with as a cop in a place where, you know, your life is on the line a lot. So he's a beautiful person. I'm just saying. Love him. So as we headed to Dynamite here, let's just hope that, uh, let's hope that, you know, I saw Lance Storm doing some good work on Twitter this week. Maybe Lance can have a a chat with Chris. (laughs) We, uh, we got a PSA from Hangman Page. And I know we like to talk about how he does good work. Do we get a new PSA? On Instagram. Oh, what'd he say? He said, remember to wear a mask while marching the street, protesting police brutality and institutional racism because there is still a global pandemic spread through respiratory droplets and also because the cops may shoot you with tear gas for no good damned reason. Our woke lord and savior. Oh. (laughs) I love him so much. Mega responded saying, thank you for using your voice to be a positive force for change. Oh. That is... Thank you, thank you, Mega Parek. Yes, I'm gonna Adam Page and, and everybody who's doing the work. And also, please don't forget there is a global pandemic. I'm glad Adam Page put that out there because when I went to Kroger, <laughs> the drop in number of people wearing masks was alarming. I it's it's Megan, it's over, don't you know? I feel I have so many. It's been it's been tough because I have so many feelings of support of yes we need to get out there yes we need to make the voices heard yes we need to make change and and stop this but there's also still a global pandemic and i'm just worried that everyone out and and most of the pictures i've seen of protesting no one's wearing masks and i'm just i'm just worried i'm worried that all the good people are gonna get the covid me too but also i you know what? I'm like, you do you. You're fighting on the front lines. I am a self-admitted like coward, I guess. It it hurts to look in the mirror on this one, but I'm not going out to protest. I'm scared of the COVID. I'm scared of the police. I'm a white lady, so obviously I've got privilege to be able to be like, I'm going to sit this one out um, and toss money at it instead. But I say go protest. You do you. Please wear masks if you can, but if you're not going to, there are larger dangers. If you're an asshole at the grocery store, just getting your germs all over everybody, 
I have way less sympathy for you. Wear a mask. It's recommended by the CDC. We are all trying to stop this thing. This is the fight you can do with minimal effort. I want to say before we before we uh, actually finally tackle Dynamite, one more thing on the uh, on the goings on uh, in our country. Linda Hogan, famed ex-wife of Hulk Hogan. Oh no! Tweeted. This is a couple days ago. It was like a Saturday, I think. Watching the looting. It's all Afro-Americans. Not sure how robbing and stealing set the record straight. But if they want to be heard, they need to be civilized. God damn it. To which Tony Khan replied, You've now joined your husband and been banned from all AEW shows. Congratulations. <laughs> Good for him. What yes. Fuck? Oh my God. First of all, Afro-Americans, oh what year is it? I know. Second, like, need to be civilized is a dog whistle for calling black people savages if I've ever fucking heard it's one. disgusting. I'm sorry. Like, when Colin Kaepernick kneeled silently, people freaked out, lost their shit. He got fired. He lost everything. So... What is the right way to protest? Because the oppressive people shouldn't be the ones to determine how the oppressed can speak up. That's just the antithesis of what that what needs to happen. Like, fuck off. If you're focused on looting versus police killing a man, you got the wrong priority. Nothing is more quote-unquote civilized in a protest than just a silent knee. Ugh. And... And I'm sure she complained about that shit, too. Yeah, people disrespecting the, Amer- uh, what was it, the, not the flag, but the Fuck off. anthem. Yeah. The <laughs> national anthem or whatever, whatever. Yeah, there's no right way to protest, and if you're oppressed, and you've been, uh, had the knee to your neck for so long, you are gonna fight back eventually. That's not the issue. Ugh. <laughs> America... What the fuck? (laughs) A lot of the looting has to be looked at critically because you've got people coming into these protests, like white people (laughs) starting this shit. And it like there are places where the protesters are literally getting in the way of looters because it's muddying the water with their message. So. That was kind of my my assumption with looting of that people are like. Going yeah. in and making trouble to make it yeah. not be a peaceful protest you, to cause issues. You definitely have Asian provocateurs out there who are doing things like leaving pallets of bricks in front of, like, you know, storefronts for people to, to encourage them to do things. Also, I've seen a lot of videos of white kids just, like, running out of stores carrying Nikes. So <laughs> there's just a lot of, like, fucking crass opportunism to coming out of this too. Yeah. You get all colors. Are you stealing them? (laughs) Yeah. Good one. Also, can I just say like, you live in Columbus, um, a large football area. Have you not seen, I don't know if those sports programs got to the point where people were flipping cars after wins and or losses, but like there are plenty of times when riots are apparently just, cool because you know you can loot a store after a victory or a big loss we get it but when there's a systematic issue that is being brought to the forefront that's when things are bad 
you know, like mm-hmm. it's, it's an unfair lens. It is. I want to uh, read uh, the tweet that Sami Zayn wrote a few days ago that I just, uh, it's so good. Um, I love the simplicity and ironically enough, the honesty of pro wrestling In pro wrestling. If I torment you for years, insult you, spit on you, humiliate you and physically attack you until you eventually had enough and you beat my ass. I'm still the bad guy who had it coming. That's <laughs> true. Yes. That's a really good analogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> oh, I feel like we needed that, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I really did. I, I feel good now. And also just as a disclaimer, don't come at us with, why you got to be political on a wrestling podcast racism isn't political racism is a problem america faces like factually speaking (laughs) it's not political to say racism is bad yeah racism is not an opinion it is a fact it's not even a my version of a fact it's a fucking fact and it's not political i'm sorry i over talked over you and I read a bunch of wrestler tweets, so it's on topic. <laughs> yeah, we tied it all together. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we got to have that conversation and get all our thoughts out there. Us three white people, <laughs> you know, which I think we all realize where we're coming from, but it felt cathartic. And we just want to know, people to know, we are pro BLM on this podcast, so don't add us. With that being said, I'm going to shift tones considerably (laughs) and we're gonna go from serious issue to wrestling fun show uh and i feel comfortable just addressing all the fun stuff now that we've gotten our opinions out of the way america do better so to get started with this show uh i wanted to point out that we've got some weird stuff happening right at the beginning and by weird i mean great um first of all we see brit dr Britt baker She is sitting in what she has labeled with a sign as Rolls Royce, Roll, R-O-L-E, as in model, Rolls Royce. And what this situation is, is she's got a golf cart and a wheelchair that she's sitting in in the back of the golf cart facing the ring. There must be so many fucking golf carts just hanging around at Bailey's Place and and then (laughs) T.I. They use them to get around the back areas. I guess that makes sense. It's because it's a football stadium. Yeah, but this one, um, Britt had also added, like, sparkly, um, whatchamacallit, almost Christmassy sort of garland to it. It, it wasn't, like, green, but it was... Yes. Yeah, she had added that along the side, so she blinged this out a little bit. Oh. Mm, like Joey Janela's pants. Yes. Front. Yes. So... Brit's doing that. Uh, we also see that Vicky is still sporting her inner circle shirt, still pro inner circle. And the most alarming thing, Wardlow has decided it's too hot for his suit top, and he is wearing a tank top. I guess props to MJF for allowing him to do that. Yeah, but MJF was full on suited and he had the scarf on. He was, but like, you know, but the fact, you know, I just, I, I think it's nice that he didn't, uh, you know, give Wardlow, uh, the Ward Dog, a hard time for it. 
We don't know what he did behind the scenes. That's true. It was just a jarring image of a man who is either in a suit or in a onesie whenever I've seen him before. And he was in his tank top distributing wine glasses between he and Sean Spears and MJF. So. It looked like maybe they were drinking uh, one of the Nightmare wines. Ooh, probably a Knocking Point exclusive. Yeah, last time they were drinking a Yellowtail, so I, I, I hope that's an upgrade. Cody was like, hold on, we have a branding opportunity. Right. Yeah, which uh, since the last time we spoke and looked up Knocking Point wines together, Facebook has been hitting me hard with the Knocking Point ads. <laughs> Man, they their emails are so we bought their emails are daily. <laughs> more than daily. Um, I was getting them multiple times a day and, and then when you hit the unsubscribe it like magically doesn't work. You know, something breaks in that link. Sure. <laughs> oh knocking point. If only you didn't sell all your wines in pairs, maybe we would actually purchase them, but mm-hmm. I refuse to invest in two bottles of a wine I've never had before. You'll end up with a a little bit of the bubbly twice. Yeah, it took you a really long time to get rid of that second bottle. Yeah, I didn't drink any of that second bottle. I think we opened that up for Evolution. Revolution? Yes, Revolution, yeah. 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 We did. Yeah. I thought, well... If we're ever going to get rid of this foul thing, it's going to be tonight. You're like, people will be drinking. Yeah, so all, just... these, all these non-wine drinkers, that's that's the kind of champagne that they would like. Thank God we opened it then, because who knew that we wouldn't have been able to see our friends for six months. Oh, that's true, too. <clears throat> yeah, and that wouldn't have aged well. Mm-mm. So that's our situation, ringside. I just wanted to point out those fun things. That I saw as they panned the camera across the built-in crowd. Uh, but our first match is for the AEW World Tag Team titles. And it is between Kip Sabian and Jimmy Havoc against Adam Page and Kenny Omega. And shocker, we do not have new champions. Kenny and Adam retain. Adam specifically gets to pin Jimmy with the last call. Uh, well, he doesn't do the last call alone. He and Kenny both do it. It's the V-Trigger Buckshot Lariat combo, but Adam gets the pin. And That has a name now. Well, Megan called it the last call. I'm so sorry. Yeah, the last call. No, but, I'm I'm glad you pointed out because I've been, you know, going on and on about how these two don't have move names or a team name. Still don't have a team name other than we gave them a team name four months ago. Mega hung. They can't get any better than that. They refuse. Um, I, be- I believe this was the first time they've teamed up in just a two-on-two tag match since they beat the Young Bucks at Revolution on February 29th. Wow. You're right. Well, Adam's been out of the picture since the lockdown. Living in the woods. Yeah. Yeah, drunken in the woods. I did enjoy their team Chiron, which said, prefer 2%, comma, 80 proof. Hell yeah. That was funny. Yeah. It's good I stuff. explain that to somebody. Oh, Jenny. <laughs> Someone has too many claws in. <laughs> oh, Jenny. Um, this win is noticed 
by both FTR, who have set up in the crowd area, but also away from everybody else. They're just in seats like a million miles away from anyone. And yeah, it's responsible. Yeah. Uh, and also the best friends who are scheduled to take on the champions, which remain the same at Fighter Fest. FTR, Black Lives Matters guys, too. I just want to point out. Good. They seem like they're upstanding gentlemen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, uh, this match, I thought it was fun. I feel like it's hard to have a bad match with Kenny and, and Adam. Not to necessarily discredit Jimmy and Kip, but I think this is maybe the highest profile match they've either of them have had. Oh, for point. sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like Kip, like, I, I mean... Kip had a pay-per-view match, right? Yeah, but like, this is against, this is like for the tag team titles the against two team. members of the Elite, you know? Mm-hmm. So what do you guys think of the match itself? I thought it was really good. Uh, I got to explain what the uh, what the backwards peace sign means to Jenny. Oh, the English middle finger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I love that they can get away with that on TV. <laughs> my favorite. My favorite. Well, they can get away with the real finger on TV. Yeah. Inner Circle That's has true. done it countless times to Moxley. It's true. Though they do subtly hold up their thumb, which I think is how they're getting away with it. Now back they in the day. That. Now back in the day. So Steve Austin could do it on Raw, on USA. But when he did it on SmackDown on UPN, it would be blurred. Huh. Why? Standards. Different standards. Oh, interesting. UPN was a network, and uh, USA was a, a cable channel. Yeah. Oh, UPN is the WB. Uh, CW? Yeah, yeah. The it's UPN, had UPN many and names. WB merged to form the CW. Okay. Um, my favorite spot of the match was definitely when Penelope Ford tried to do a Hurricane Rana. <laughs> and Adam Page caught her. Rick Knox turned around, and Hangman just said, "What do you want me to do?" <laughs> and he He's said, trying to her... keep it legal. Yeah, yeah. And he said, "Put her down," and he did. And then Rick Knox ejected Penelope Ford. I like he put up his hand. Like Rick Knox turns around, and he had been holding her legs, and he literally puts his hands up and is like, "What do I do?" Yeah. <laughs> Adam's such a good boy. Hey, he wants to keep this match legal, keep those titles without question. Th- that did allow, though, Jimmy Havoc to in- briefly introduce a wrench into the mix and like hit both he- Adam and Kenny with it while Rick Knox was yelling at Penelope to get out of there. I like the use of wrench because that is something that you would actually have to set up a ring, so it makes sense that it would be under there. More so than a crowbar. Yeah. Or many of the things people pull out <laughs> from underneath there. Yeah. Um, like Orange Cassidy, for instance. Oh, yeah. I think he just sleeps under there. He did that one time, at least. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I don't have much else specific to say about this, but it was I thought it was a good showing by Havoc and Sabian, and, you know, this was not this was not a high-end uh, Hangman and Omega match, but uh, it was it was good, and, and uh, I'm, it was really fun to see them back together again. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it was a... Dynamite show opener match, if that puts it into perspective. Fun, but probably not anything super intense is going to happen. They did repeat the spot where Jimmy held up Adam by the head and Kip 
basically like field goal kicked his head. But where Aubrey looked and said it was a little far to the left, uh, Rick Knox looked and said, I don't understand what's happening. And luckily, <laughs> <laughs> luckily, Adam quickly recovered and looked at them and was like, oh, it was good. And he did the field goal motion and then he punched both of them in the face. So it was it was a good move. Hangman rules. Hangman was very good on uh, AEW Unrestricted. Yes, that is today. Yeah. <laughs> That's the podcast. Thank you. Yes. Did you listen to that yet? I did. Okay, it was it was a good. I thought it was a good one. Yeah. Did you also uh, listen to Shug D on Jericho's podcast? I did. Yeah. That I thought was also a fun listen and give Shug D a little dimension. Shuggy, I don't remember what the jokes were now, but he made a couple of jokes that were so subtle that they completely went over Jericho's head. Yeah, I he was very fun. Yeah. It just, you listen to him and he's just like, and it's just like, oh, this guy's smarter than Jericho. <laughs> yeah, but he's smarter than Jericho in a way that he doesn't rub Jericho's face in it. He just brings him along for the ride. And I love that. Yeah. So good. It's a it's a good podcast week. Week. Also, I feel like I never got to express how much I love Lance Archer now because of his talk as Jericho interview, and people need to go listen to that too. Unless that you, good, yeah. unless you want to believe he's a true monster because he is a precious boy. Yeah, he seems very nice. Yeah. yeah. The next thing on the show is a backstage video a couple videos one is from earlier today when tully basically loses his shit on sean spears and screams at him what do you want your legacy to be so if i if i may uh this was a very truncated version of a longer promo that went out on AEW's twitter feeds i don't know why they do this because it didn't make as much sense in this form because you missed the part where he said, imagine my surprise when I had friends over to watch the pay-per-view and all of a sudden, there I am, a picture of me on your crotch. And, he, and that's that's kind of was the like the setting off point for him to lose his shit. And he said, like, search for Spears is over. You need to like, and then and then and then you need to. We we kind of got into. Oh, because this clip didn't make any sense to me. I didn't understand why he was yelling at Sean. Yeah, no, it built. Yeah, but you missed like they showed like thirty seconds of it, and it was ninety seconds long. So so you well, missed like, like cut out the whole it. relevant part. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, his face on Sean Spears's underwear. I'd be mad. I think that's legit screaming territory here. Well, that's good I to agree. know. That's good to know. Yeah, and as you, as you said, like, so that was supposed to be earlier in the day, and then we cut to a shot of him and Spears in a limo, the back of the limo, and Tolly says the search for Spears is over, and he he goes on to say, "I have the missing piece right here," and he opens this little tiny briefcase, and. It reveals a single padded fingerless glove that Sean Spears picks up, puts on, and looks really mystified by. And I can only assume, based on the announcers talking after this segment, that this means something to people who have watched wrestling for a really long time, but I had no idea. 
I was kind of hoping that we wouldn't see what it was and it just it would glow like Marcellus Wallace's briefcase. I yeah, I was like, this is the Pulp Fiction moment, and then yeah. Um, so it is a glove that has been worn, not the specific glove, I would assume not, by uh, Ted DiBiase in his pre-Million Dollar Man days, Black Jack Mulligan, and Barry Windham. So those are, <laughs> those are three old wrestlers who had like uh, who wore as like the black glove as part of their gimmick so i guess kelly's just trying to evoke something old school in sean with with this i don't i don't know were any of those wrestlers good did they win were they champions all three yes okay yeah but i guess my question was did they all three have some relation to Tully? Like, is this his signature now you're going to win thing? Or is he just evoking the memory of, of those three unrelated people? Um, I assume he's going to, like, tie it in because at least Blackjack, at least uh, Barry Windham was in the Four Horsemen with Tully and Arn and Ric Flair. That was, that was one of the Four Horsemen lineups. Oh, okay. So Arn theoretically should understand what this means if Sean Spears shows up with this too, right? Yeah. Yes, okay. definitely. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. Is Tully an original Four Horsemen? Or is he like one of the like later multi-versions? Tully is an original Four Horsemen. What about Arn? Arn is an original Four Horsemen. Okay. They got history. Yes. The original lineup of the Four Horsemen was Ric Flair, Ole Anderson, Arn Anderson, and Tully Blanchard. Okay. In 1985. Here is an unrelated, and you don't have to answer if you don't know, question, but because Arn and Jake pointed out that they never cross paths in the ring, did Jake and Tully ever cross paths? Probably not, because... Jake was always in WWF when Arn and Tully were in WCW. And when Arn and Tully went to WWF, it was as a tag team. And so if Arn didn't work with Jake during that time, Tully also wouldn't have worked with Jake during that time. Okay. That was more just for my general curiosity than anything okay. else. You got these three old ass men, all of the same generation. I'm wondering if they're going to try some, some stuff. Maybe. Maybe. Well, I bet, I bet they'd love to have Rick. Oh, for sure. Yeah. They're not going to get Rick with Charlotte. No, they're not going to get Rick. In fact, Rick Flair. I don't know if this is true, but Rick Flair said recently that he talked to Tony because he just signed a new deal with WWE. Mm. And he said he talked to Tony Khan, and Tony Khan told him that he wasn't even going to try to sign him because he knows, like, how much Rick values his relationship with WWE. <laughs> oh, but is that a polite way to say you're a little bit past your years and maybe aren't as good at uh, maintaining as the other older gentlemen we have signed? Are the other adult, other older gentlemen good at maintaining? I think Arn has totally done excellent. Tully totally seems fine. I, I, does Arn? Does Jake? Does 
I mean, Jake went went rogue that time and air humped Brandy. Yeah, what do you mean by maintaining? I think Arn, though, in the in the um the promo off, I guess, with Jake, I thought Arn did great. Oh yeah, yeah. So. I, I can see a problem with maybe Jake and needing to dial back the misogyny like a lot. But mm-hmm. overall, I think promo wise, Arn and Tully are doing fine as managers. I think Ric Flair has maybe gone off the deep end a couple times. <laughs> and I don't know that maybe Tony Khan doesn't even feel like trying to mess with that is is what I was getting at. It's like playing with fire. Has he yeah. had some incidences? I feel I feel like there's like great potential with Ric Flair. Ric Flair and AEW, there would be great potential for fantastic stuff and also great potential for calamity at the same time. Yeah. Plus, Rick's price tag is probably pretty high. I don't know if that's unfair to say. I think I think that's fair to say. Yeah, and I just feel like with Charlotte in WWE, there's just no yeah, way. I don't think he would risk going to the competitor at a time when, like, retribution could be taken out on his daughter. Exactly. Well, and, like, his daughter's, like, holding that company together, it seems like. She's on, what, all three shows? Yeah. I would also think, though, Charlotte's at the... This sounds funny, but the same level as Renee, as far as you need her, you better not pull retribution on her for things her husband or father or any other relation do, you know, like Renee's doing fine. Yeah. But you're also dealing with Vince. Well, I mean, Renee is sometimes. Yeah. That's, but that's all I'm saying is they seem to realize Renee's value and have thus far not punished her for, (laughs) for John even showing up on the show. Well, yeah, but also Renee's on, the what the ESPN I'm yeah sorry, the F- Fox is F1 it? or Fox one yeah FS1 show so she's not showing up to taping every week and Vince isn't in charge of her storyline like Charlotte yeah like I was gonna say like I, I'm gonna agree with Jenny here because like I think that the, the the only real difference is that if Vince burying Renee would just be like making her sit at home and collecting her check for doing nothing. <laughs> Vince burying Charlotte would be like booking her to look bad every mm-hmm. single week. And she'd have to go out there every week looking bad. Yeah. Okay, that's a that's a fair contrast. Yeah. No, I'm not saying he would do that, but I'm just saying that I don't think Rick would risk that. Because no, I think, that's... I think I think Rick cares more about like his daughter's legacy right. than, than anything right now. Look, we're talking about some heavy hitters here, so why don't why don't we move on to obviously someone in their company? Um, we gotta smash him with Brian Cage up next. Poor Sean Dean already in the ring. <laughs> yeah, he's he's out there. Uh, Brian Cage, he he murders him a lot. Um, Cage's Chiron. I did think it was kind of funny that uh, it said destroyed Lee Johnson on last week's Dynamite. Just to really emphasize how much of a dominator he is, he destroyed Lee Johnson. Uh, but he, man, he's um, he's got the Trent, he's given him a run for his money on the unnatural 
to human skin coloring. We'll say that. How do you guys feel about Brian Cage? <laughs> He's so roided up, I can't even. It's just so, ugh, it's just so, it's too much. I can't. I like him. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first time we heard that uh, Fighter Fest is going to be over two nights. Yeah, I'm agreeing so, with you because I didn't register that. <laughs> uh, yes, Fighter Fest will be July 1st and July 8th on TNT. But starting at 10 p.m.? No, okay, so apparently what happened was the ad copy that was meant for TSN like also aired on TNT. So that was a mistake on their part. Oh, okay. Yeah, So because the Dynamite airs later in Canada. Hmm. Mm. But, but uh, yeah, so it's going to be in, so, so it's basically, do you, do you guys remember back in January when they did those two weeks of Dynamite, one of them was on the boat and those both weeks were branded Bash at the Beach? Yes. It's yes. it's just that again. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can live with that. Yeah. 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 Cool. Okay, so. Um, Only one was on the boat. One was in Miami and correct. one was on the boat. Yeah. Pre-boating. Right. Okay. Docking. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is a smash room, guys. There's no roundabout about it. Um, poor Sean Dean. He, he he took it like a man, I guess. You know, he he looked sad that he had to lose, but he did. Uh, after the match, Taz gets on the microphone. Taz rules. Taz is pissed. He really? called. Really? Mm. I don't like his catchphrase. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and the fact that, like, he's reusing it, even when it didn't start making sense, and he's still well, using it for it's this. It's his catchphrase. He has to use it. I know. I don't like it. it. It's his brand. Why is he always, like, bringing out that red towel? Is there a reason for the red towel? I mean, he wore a towel on his head as part of his ring entrance back in the day. But he's not wearing it on his head. Yeah, I don't know. And most times when you come out in, like, ring gear, you then throw it to the crowd or throw it to the side. I was wondering if it was some sort of play on the white towel of Surrender, and since it's red, maybe he won't. I, I don't know. <laughs> I was trying to read into it a little more than it, it sounds like it needs to be. Yeah, I don't know. Well, Taz is here. Whether you like him or hate him, he is calling out John Moxley. And he's upset, basically, because he and Brian Cage take this sport very seriously. And last week, John Moxley had the audacity to snicker and giggle, his words, not mine, at him when he was cutting his promo. This checks out. He was pissed about this on, on Dark, too. Yeah. I mean, I guess it is. He would be mad because somebody's laughing at you. But also, it's John Moxley. He's unpredictable and weird. I feel like you shouldn't take it personally. Luckily, Moxley shows up to clarify things. He's starting to get in the ring, and Taz says, Think and be careful before you enter this ring in a threatening manner. And Moxley looks at him like, Okay, bud. And just climbs right in. And he explains that last week he was smiling, and this week he's smiling because the thought of going to war with Cage 
makes him happy. It's why he's in the business. He loves a good fight. And he goes on to say that basically, like, he gets Brian Cage as, like, a new guy. Uh, a different, I think they called him, like, a whole different thing. But that... called him a, a different breed of shark. Yeah, he said he, Moxley, was it? they're swimming with a different breed of shark entirely. And he also said, don't waste your time trying to intimidate me. I don't need it. So he's just here for a straight-up fight. And I loved it. I love the tone of this. I think it's very good, especially since Brian Cage didn't look intimidated either. So these two are going to just beat the shit out of each other. I think they're going to have a great match. It's going to be brutal. I, uh, I'm i very excited about this. I have noticed, though, I, I, that since Mox became champion, he only feuds with Hosses. There was Hager, and then Brody, and now Brian Cage. He well, because he's secret big. Like even looking at him in the ring, he's taller than Brian Cage. It's because Brian Cage shouldn't be that big because of all the roids. From there, we go to poor Alex Marvez, who is just making the worst attempts at interviews lately. I think he could try harder. I think he could <laughs> use his timing a little better. I don't think he should have come out here. No, this is a bad decision on his part. Lance Archer is out in what appears to be some sort of abandoned construction site, beating the shit out of some geek in a mask. And Alex Marvez thinks this is a good time to interview Lance. He seems available. But Lance manhandles him. He grabs him and is like, one loss means nothing to me. I'm here to dominate. I'm not a smart spot monkey. Everybody dies. And I'm going to kill people. And Marvez looks shook up, but I think we've seen in the past, it really doesn't take that much to shake him up. Regardless, Jake is there, and he kind of surprisingly apologizes to Marvez for Lance's behavior. And he looks a little scared, and I'm wondering if they're... Are are they implying that he's already losing control of his monster? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it was it was like he he was even like shocked by how you know. Yeah, like how brutal. Even though, to be clear, Lance grabbed Alex Marvez's like suit collar and pulled him close. It it was fairly tame, but it's weird to me that Jake is shocked by this behavior. It's pretty in line with lands yeah i mean he didn't destroy a toilet this time but still um yeah. i did like there was something marvez did in this segment that i really liked which is that he kept slowly bending backwards to make himself appear smaller and smaller next to uh next to archer as archer was screaming at him yeah he's a professional i assume yeah. i don't know i've only yeah. seen him on this program sure But I guess Lance is taking out his frustration on Brando's in abandoned construction sites, so watch out. From there, we take a whole 180 and we go to the backstage official AEW bar, I want to say. Because it's there on the premises. And Private Party are hanging out when classic Matt Hardy appears. It's classic, right? Yeah, 
Okay, it's it's like Hardy Boys, Matt Hardy. Yeah. Um, and Matt is very complimentary towards Private Party. Um, he he's glad that Mark Quinn appears to be feeling good, and Mark jumps around and basically shows like, yeah, that injury temporary. I'm I'm good now. Matt says Private Party are the future of tag team wrestling and that their bond as a team reminds him of the one he has with his brother Jeff. And he opens the door for them to basically ask advice whenever they need it. So Isaiah chooses this time to propose Hardy Party. (laughs) Yes. Instead of of just saying, thank you, Matt, we'll uh, consider that. They chose to completely mark out... (laughs) Yep, which is an understandable reaction, but also super hilarious and cute. And Matt handles it gracefully. He's like, okay, you let me know if you have any real questions. I'll see you around. And he he leaves, but on his way out, he passes Sammy, who is just scooting around on his one-legged scooter device. Says, hit, yep, his hit-me-up-mobile. And Matt is actually very nice. He he says hi and he declares that they're cool and he leaves him with the single word respect and sammy looks confused by this but i think if i were him i would take this as a good thing and move on with my life i don't think he will but that's just me this was um so matt hartney has been here for like two months and he's already part of two different trios Yep, hearty party. Him. Making friends all over the place. I loved this segment, especially when um, Isaiah started doing uh, like Hardy Boys mannerisms and like uh, and just going crazy. He was very excited. It's very adorable that so many of the younger generation get the opportunity to work with the people who are clearly their idols, like everybody with Jericho and now Matt Hardy. And it's just fun to see. They looked genuinely super excited. Absolutely. Uh, from there, we get a video recap of Cody issuing his open challenge as the new TNT champion. And we see the battle Royal that, resulted in Jungle Boy being the first to get the opportunity to challenge for the title. And that's coming up later tonight. Then we get a video package of the upcoming Fighter Fest, specifically around Brian Cage versus John Moxley for the AEW world title. But it should be noted that apparently during this show, every title is on the line. Yeah, all four of them. Yeah, hey, I appreciate that there's only four. Honestly, it's easy to keep track of. It is easy to keep track of. I'm still, I'm still hoping that sometime in the next year or so we get trios titles because there are just so many trios. Yeah, I think this is the company equipped for it. Definitely. The next match we have is Cole Cabana versus Chris Jericho. And this match was scheduled because apparently Chris Jericho blames Cole for being the one in a huge crowd of people to get in his way when he tried to get to Tyson. And Excalibur put it best when he said, that is certainly an interesting take by Le Champion. <laughs> I can't believe they didn't like 
bill this as the battle of wrestling's two most preeminent podcasters. Yeah, I think that would have made more sense, honestly. Yeah. Um, while Jericho is coming out to his theme music, Sammy follows him with a mic and sings the worst rendition of Jericho's theme song I've ever heard. Yeah, it was rough. He's done it better before, so we know that. We, so I think we have a can pretty much say this was on purpose. I think the biggest issue was just that he was so off from a timing perspective of the music with the words that he was saying. Yeah. I think that, like, my interpretation is he tried and then early on really fucked up and Jericho looked at him and then he decided this is a gimmick and he went with making it bad for the rest of the time. I think he was genuinely confused about the actual lyrics early on. Uh, but yeah, I, I you have one job, Sammy. You're rolling around on your scooter. You're not wrestling. Learn the fucking song. Yeah, what else does Sammy have to do? Yeah, um, JR comments, you remember, he's been hurt a lot. So I guess that's Sammy's pass. He's had a lot of head injuries. He is goddamn hilarious rolling back and forth on that stage on his little scooter, though. He is, and I can't help but think part of my regard for that is because of John Drake rolling around. Oh, like yeah. That, yeah. That is what I equate it with in my mind. While he was hopped up on Viking or whatever. Yeah. Um, also, I don't remember why, but the comment was made that Allie gets really hot for QT. Or maybe not the comment. Maybe we just saw the crowd. I wrote down, this gets Allie hot for QT. In parentheses, barf. So. Yeah, there was um, there was Twitter follow-up on this. Yes, okay, so Sammy Guevara tweeted, I have, a, like, he tweeted out this clip of this entrance. And he says, I have a voice of an angel. And QT said, which is why it was so easy to just stare into the angel at Alley Wrestling. Sammy Guevara, not a huge, chan- huge fan of you as a person, but thank you for giving us this moment. <laughs> oh, okay. What is going on over there? To which Trent uh, replied, The fuck? <laughs> Thank you, Trent. Thank you for speaking for the people. <laughs> Trent's, oh. I think, Tr- Trent is uh, low-key very good on Twitter, but I think he's just like, he's he's associated with Chuck, and Chuck's so good on Twitter that it overshadows him. Oh, I just want them to come together. My favorite interaction is still when Trent was like, I'm going to fight Moxley. And Chuck's like, yo, he's going to beat the shit out of you. And Trent's <laughs> like, what the fuck? <laughs> but back to the match. Um, in case you weren't aware, Chris Jericho's a big star. Cole Cabana is, you know, he's good. But he's not going to beat Chris Jericho. So Jericho gets the win. With the Judas effect. And after the match, he gets on the mic and demands for everyone to shut your ass and address Le Champion with respect. Which honestly is not that big of an ask, but you know. No, it's all just employees there. Yeah. And they probably do, honestly. So Jericho calls out Mike Tyson. 
He says, Iron Mike Tyson, you're a piece of shit. Fair. And he says the same thing will happen to him that just happened to Cole Cabana, which is to say, got beat. And he wants Mike Tyson to show up now. He's not willing to wait, so get out here now. And instead of Mike Tyson, after Jericho's multiple pleas, Orange Cassidy appears. And to be fair, Jericho was requesting the baddest man on the planet, so one could see how Orange Cassidy would get confused. But he wanders out, and he goes in the ring and takes Jericho's hands one by one and places them in his um, pockets, in air quotes there. What he really does is tucks his hand in his belt loop, because Jericho's leather pants don't have pockets. And then Jericho thinks this is really funny until he doesn't, and he tries to attack him, but Orange dodges, and then Jake Hager gets into the mix and tries to attack him, and Orange again dodges, and then he rolls out of the ring, goes to the barrier, where Trent and Chuck lift him up and pull him over the barrier. Meanwhile, Santana and Ortiz join Jericho and Hager in the ring and look threatening, but nothing else comes of this. So, that was fun. It was a lot of fun, and I thought the match that preceded it was a lot of fun, too. Yes, did you want to comment on the match? I'm sorry to railroad you on that. No, it's fine. Um, I I just, I thought that, you know, they went about 10 minutes, and I really thought that they did a lot of good stuff. Cabana got a lot of offense, and and as as often as it often is with the Judas Effect, one of the great things about the Judas Effect is, and uh, Pineapple Pete actually talked about this with Jericho, is that it doesn't make you look that bad because it is like a move that comes from out of nowhere and you can be having a really great run and then you just get caught with it. And it's like, and it's like the ultimate finisher in AEW. Yes. And Jericho has also pointed out that smartly, and it was a little bit of self aggrandizing, but I'll give it to him. It's a move you can do on anybody, any size, any weight. He doesn't have to lift anybody up. He can do it out of nowhere and he can do it to anyone. You know how he, you know, his other, like, his his previous finisher was the code breaker where he kind of, like, he, you know, like, the knees to the chest and he takes the back bump? Mm-hmm. I bet that if he could have it back, he wishes that he came up with the Judas effect at that point and, <laughs> and had been doing that for the last, you know, like, 12 years and never and never thought about it. Because, you know, I'm sure it's... It's, it's kind of a low-impact bump, but it's still a bump. And with the Judas effect, he doesn't have to bump at all. Yeah, I mean, it's still your back hitting the ground, so yeah. you're, pr- you're probably right on that. Um, yeah. And before he verbalized it, I never really thought about that aspect of it. I just assumed all finishing moves were designed to look as cool as possible. But it's really smart of him to say, <laughs> after years of experience, pick a move you can do on anyone and, you know, minimal impact to your body. So, good on you, Jericho, with so many years of experience. Surprise, surprise, you know your shit. Yeah, Hulk Hogan always says that the thing that, like, from, like, as far as his wrestling style, the thing that he regrets the most is, like, that he, he did a clothesline finisher in Japan, and he wishes he had just used that in the States as well instead of the leg drop because while the leg drop doesn't look like it's, you know, that bad when you're doing it 200 nights a year for, a, you know, a lot of years, it, it adds up. 
Oh, yeah. I truly don't understand how people don't totally harm themselves doing anything that requires, like, the essentially the butt bump, I guess. Like, like bulldogs and just stunners and everything. How does mm-hmm. it not hurt to just slam your tailbone into the bed? Yeah. Like, at least with the diamond cutter or the RKO, you can, like, lay out. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right, the Stone Cold Center, I bet that I bet that sucked just as much to give as it did to take. Yeah. Ugh. So, yeah, it was a, a fun match between Colt and Jericho, and their logic of putting them together was a little loose, but you know what? It resulted in a pretty pretty fun interaction. Um, they did, well, they did, they did have footage that showed Colt, like, definitely making a pissed-off face when Jericho, like, shoved him away. Yeah, but also to say that Colt was the one who prevented Jericho from getting to Mike Tyson, he jumped up on the ropes and pushed him back when there were also like 30 other people in the ring pulling him back. It just, you know, he gave Colt a lot of credit. Yeah. But I could see Colt being mad. I mean, he is the (laughs) lesser star in that scenario. (laughs) Um, after that match, we get another Fighter Fest promo. This time, we highlight the fact that the best friends are facing off against Adam Page and Kenny Omega for the tag team title, which leaves us with the Women's Championship and the TNT Championship open for scheduling as far as I know. Yeah, and if the TNT Championship keeps going the way that it seems to be going, we shouldn't know who the challenger is until, like, the week before, right? Yeah, I mean, because Cody's got an open challenge. Yeah. So I I wasn't sure if they had announced anything on the women's side, because I don't think at any point in the show we get an announcement. Um, We didn't get an announcement, but I think, you know, we'll get to it here pretty soon. But I think think they had a pretty, like, indicated pretty clearly what they're going towards. I wanted to, uh, the Orange Cassidy thing, I mean, what do you think? I mean, it's... I'm thinking Orange versus Jericho at Fighter Fest. What do you think? I could see that. I mean, Jericho has said in the past that he didn't understand the Orange Cassidy gimmick when he first saw it, but now he's a big fan. So I could see him wanting to work with Orange, and I bet he could be a good base for for all of Orange's comedy and high-flying. So I, I'm mm-hmm. fine with that. Let those two fight. Yeah, yeah, totally. So that's cool. Yeah. Uh, We move on to something equally cool, I think. And that is a video package of Britt Baker. Oh, God. She has. This is the best thing on the whole show. (laughs) She has a training montage a la Rocky. Uh But the whole time she is also in her wheelchair that is. role model on the back r-o-l-l if you remember with rebel pushing her around and doc samson giving her instructions like we don't hear any audio of what they're saying there's music overlaid but he clearly is telling her to do stuff and she's like no so she's ignoring his instructions and the final shot of this is brit trying to roll her wheelchair up a i'm gonna say very short wheelchair ramp somewhere in the arena 
And she's just, she's struggling so hard. Doc and Reba are there cheering her on. And it takes Tony. Tony Shivani showing up and encouraging her. And she's finally able to get up the ramp successfully. And it's very much like Rocky reaching the top of the steps. And she just, she puts her arms up. Yeah, I did it. Um, but it was amazing. This is a work of art. And I loved it so much. It was absolutely fantastic. Um, Tony, when Tony appeared, Rebel and Doc Samson both turned and gave him a look. Like, what are you doing here? But then, <laughs> when they cut back to Brit, she was so happy to see Tony. They're besties. I know. It's so, it's, oh God, this was so good. Did you, did you hear the when they when they did you hear when they talked about Adam Cole on the AW on the unfiltered today? Yeah. Oh, he's dead. Unrestricted. Yeah. Yeah. Aubrey said, "Oh yeah, he's dead." And then Tony said, "It's good for me." <laughs> oh, Tony. Did, did you catch that? <laughs> I did not, but that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Tony. Tony's just living life, you know. I think Adam Cole's coming. What? I think he's coming this summer. What's his contract sitch like? Well, he showed up in NXT three summers ago. Oh. I think he he should make the move. I do too. I think he'd be, I think he's, he's a great wrestler. He can work with anybody. His his lack of size will not be at all an issue like it like it probably would be if he was moved to the main roster in WWE. His you know his girlfriend's there. Um, he's he hangs out with those people anyway. He's he's like really good friends with the Bucks. I think I think it's I, I don't know. I think, I, it's, also, I think it's the move. I also just want them to find a way to explain how he's back from the dead. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine how great BTE will be during, like, the reintroduction of Adam Cole period? Oh, my God. I think it's happening. I think it's happening. I'm a little sad that he's probably leaving behind his undisputed Arab boys, at least for the time being. But but I think I think it's happening because they took they took they moved Matt Middle, Matt Riddle up to the main roster last week. And and I think it's because. Like, his deal is also kind of getting close to coming up, and, you know... They're trying to keep him? They're trying to keep him, so they wanted to, like, you know, like, well, here, have more money. And they have made no such move with Adam Cole. Oh, wow. Yeah. Ooh, that's exciting. Yeah, so... Okay. I hope it happens. Okay. And, I mean, you know, as much as I love Adam Cole and I love NXT, at least theoretically, I haven't watched it since... uh, covid but um he has been there for three years and he has worked pretty much everybody up and down the roster at that this at this point yeah and you, you at least get a lot of fresh matchups for him at AEW. yeah an undisputed era is so dominant in a way that they're never not going to get cheered and i'm not saying he's going to come to AEW and have less of a chance of getting cheered even if he is a heel but I just love the rich storytelling that's going to happen if he makes the jump. Oh, yeah. Very exciting stuff. Oh, okay. Well, speaking of things Britt Rose is... Britt Rose. Britt Baker's paying attention to. This next matchup. 
is between Big Swole and Nyla Rose. And Britt's interested because she's got her eye on the prize. You know, she wants that contender spot for Hikaru Shida. And I feel like Nyla Rose is by default kind of in that spot. And Big Swole is making some moves. But also Hikaru Shida's in the crowd. She's got her eye on the prize here, too. um, Because she's the title holder. So Nyla Rose gets the win with the Beast Bomb. But I feel like this match was to make sure we all knew that Big Swole was still around. And that she is a legitimate contender. And how about Big Swole doing some great uh, uh, Aisha Campbell cosplay? Yeah. As the as the second Yellow Ranger. Yeah, I was like, you got the Power Rangers cosplay going. Is the symbol that she has on her butt, and this is like every piece of gear I've seen her in, is that a Transformers thing? It might be. Okay. I, know that, I know that the power coin on the front of her gear, like our friend Jason and I, and Jason is obsessed with Power Rangers, so he was trying to like figure out like what the icon on the power coin was. It's her flex. Exactly, yeah. We, we finally determined that it was her flexing her arm, <laughs> which is great. Yeah. Yeah. So I initially, when I was watching this match live and I went to commercial break, I was just thinking like, I don't know that this is the match that needed to go two segments. But I think it was, I think they were actually trying to get Big Swole over in this match, even in losing. Yeah, it definitely seems like they're positioning her as a real threat and somebody who's going to be moving up the rankings, even though she lost. Um, I mean, they did give her, after the match, they gave her an interview with Tony. And during that interview, Britt started yelling at her, and then she instructed Rebel to back the Royce up into the barrier, and Big Swole was not threatened. She reached into the ring, got a metal chair, and started to go for Britt. And then Britt was like, Rebel, get us out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so they drove their golf cart Rolls Royce away. Has, has anyone ever improved their character as much as Britt Baker has in the past year? <laughs> I don't know. Is it bad because that, like, I think she's improved so much because she's not wrestling as much? No, I mean, you know, it's like I said character, you know, I mean, because that's what it is, really. It's just it's all it's like all of it's been character work, except for that one Sheeta match where she got bloody. That was a really good match. Yeah, she's a delightful heel. I love it. I still think she's green as far as actual wrestling goes. But, yeah, you know, give her the chance to improve. And I having heard her, I feel like a lot of stuff (laughs) that I said about her early on in our podcast was very unfair considering having heard her on a couple different podcasts and how much she actually is dedicated to wrestling. Um, so I, I, I want to say apologies for that, Britt. And I really appreciate her character work and the effort she's put in with like watching Jericho videos and talking to him about being a heel. I just feel like she still needs to maybe get some wrestling practice in and, and improve on that front. She's so dedicated to wrestling that she, she got caught and had her Chris Jericho book taken away in a dental school lecture hall. Right? <laughs> uh, I can't believe how much my perspective on her has changed, but she's 
she sounds wonderful. She's <laughs> and, awesome. Yeah, I I really I feel like looking back, um, I was very unfair to her, and I'm sorry for that. Yeah. And as for like Nyla, Sheeta was in the crowd watching this match, so Hikaru. I, I, yeah. So I feel like that's. I feel like they're probably just going to do a rematch between those two at Fighter Fest. Okay. Because it's not like Nyla as the former champion. Does she automatically get the one number one contender spot? I don't know if automatically, but I think like she had been pretty dominant for a while, so it makes sense that she didn't that she would only slip just down to the one spot instead of further. Okay. I, so my my guess is that they'll do the rematch, and then so that'll be like July first through July eighth, and then that gives you until the end of until what until like early September for All Out. So that gives you like time to to then get into what Sheeta's next like big pay per view program is, whatever that ends up being. Yeah, maybe it'll be it, Brit. Maybe maybe she'll come back to do the match with. Uh, Lashita. Yeah, I feel like her injury may have shifted around some plans. Yeah. Well, she said she said she's she's aiming to be back in the ring at All Out, right? That's what she said yes. last week. She will be back in a, at All Out. So actually, now that I think of it, maybe maybe the idea is to do her in Swole since they kind of started that tonight. Like that'll be Britt's first match back. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I don't know who Sheeta would work then. Well, yeah. Um, I, I want to see Penelope somewhere in the mix. I know it's like, they're, it's not backed by numbers, but she's done so much work with Kip that I feel like she should get recognition in the women's division as well. Mm-hmm. But I don't know where she stands as far as official rankings. They haven't gone over them recently. Uh, I can tell you right now what her ranking is. She is fifth. Okay, so she's last, but she's on there. She's in the top five. And the people she's behind are include Yuka Sakasaki, who is trapped, and <laughs> Britt Baker, who is in a wheelchair right now. <laughs> so... I feel like, like, really, it's only Chris Statlander and Nyla Rose ahead of who, who, who are who are able-bodied and you know capable of wrestling in the United States right now. Yeah, and I love her work with Kip. I just do think it's to her detriment because all the good sh- stuff she does to help him out has no standing in the women's rankings. Like, no matter how good she is, it's all in service of helping Kip. And it hasn't counted for her in the same way. Yeah. So I would love to see her get more of an opportunity. Yeah, maybe she will. Maybe they, I mean, there's plenty of time. They could have her start to go on to like a winning streak. I'm into it. She's a good heel and she's good at wrestling. So yeah, let's do it. Uh, let's leave the ladies for a minute and go backstage where Tony is interviewing Darby Allen because Darby apparently has been barred by the doctor, Doc Sampson, from getting in the ring on Dynamite due to his recent injury. 
So Tony asks Darby if he thinks the injury he sustained in the match with it was the battle royal ladder match. Well, yeah, no, the, not... the the knee injury, the the casino ladder match. Yeah, um, the one with Brian Cage in it, who coincidentally also Brian Cage won. Um, so Tony asked Darby if he thinks that the injury he sustained had anything to do with the fact that his interviews with Taz the last couple weeks were disasters. Hmm. Uh, my words, not Tony's, but that's what he was implying. Um, Darby says life is one big joke. But Brian Cage will see Darby have the last laugh. So he's upset and he's Darby. So he's got to be broody about it. So do you think that Darby will wrestle Brian before Fighter Fest or after Fighter Fest? I think after, if they're going to the trouble of saying he can't come out in the arena tonight because of his injury. Like, we're too close to Fighter Fest. Might we as got, well just... We got three episodes before Fighter Fest. Um, I guess then it depends on, like, you think they're going to make it a long-term thing? Because I don't think Brian Cage is going to beat Moxley for the title, so... No. So, like, Darby could start his business with him after. But I guess also he could start some side business with him. And then once Brian Cage loses his title opportunity, he diverts to Darby. So, yeah, I guess maybe. I Maybe Darby could initiate prior to Fire, Fighter Fest. Yeah. What do you think? Um, unfortunately, I'm kind of thinking... This is maybe like, like the last showcase match for Brian Cage before he gets his title shot, and he won't like squash Darby like he squashed everybody else, but he'll like put a real beating on him. But you think this is a one-off and not a arc of sorts? Maybe. Okay, I mean, Actually, I can see I, that too. I don't really know. It, I could see it too because I'm very confused about. How they use their large monster men. <laughs> you know? You got Lance going for a title. You got Brian Cage getting the title shot for the bigger title. No offense, Cody, but the TNT title is not that big. Uh, Wardlow's Hager and just... Lee both got title shots. Yeah, but Hager and Wardlow are currently servant like manservants to other people and then Brody Lee has his cult thing he's doing so I don't it's like I don't know what they're doing here but I'm not upset it's all working out it's just I wonder where Brian Cage fits into the grand scheme of things that's not yeah, it'll be interesting to see like like because you're right it's just like I have no as much as I'm looking forward to the match it's I have no like fear that he's going to take the title from Mox so it's more it's it's more of me just wondering like okay so where does Brian Cage fit in at All Out for instance like is he on that show like you know wh- where where's his card position you know two months from now yeah because he's getting the shot because he won the ladder match but then I'm assuming that he will fall back down to where his rankings put him and with so few matches he probably isn't in the top five so he's just got a lot of work to do if he's still gunning for the title. 
Well, let me look at these rankings again. <laughs> I have to believe there are five people above him in them. Okay. AEW rankings. Brian Cage, you're right. He is not in the top five. It's MJF, Lance Archer, Brody Lee, Kenny Omega, and Darby Allen. Yeah, Brian Cage has had one single match prior to the Smash match this week. And then he's going to, at most, can have three more. Like, I don't see him getting into the top five. Well, maybe that, like, Darby being number five, maybe that makes him, like, a good target for Brian. So he could actually be actually ranked by the time his title shot comes around. All right, I guess I don't see him getting to the number one contender spot. <laughs> like, in I don't time. either. I feel like I feel like six and zero MJF is probably. Oh yeah. Probably got that for a while. Untouchable. I tell you what. The. The 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 thing with uh you know doing all these squash matches it is starting to pay off because, like I'm looking at these rankings now. Moxley's twelve and zero in two thousand twenty. Cody's ten and one in two thousand twenty. You got MJF at six and zero. Lance Archer five and one. Brody Lee five and one. Kenny's four and zero. And even Darby Allen six and four. Hell yeah. Yeah. So these these records because of all the like the the smashums and against the you know the um, QT Marshall students and stuff, the on paper records are starting to look better. And that's cool. And to be honest. I'm not against those smash-ups to get those records straight. I just don't need 90 minutes of it. Could you space them out among multiple darks? Yes, please do. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Um, But yeah, so that's where Darby and Brian Cage stand, I guess. Uh, Tony gets to interview FTR. A tag team that is going to, I think, want to get into those tag team rankings almost immediately. But this is not about that. This is an interview. They are in street clothes. We are in what appears to be the lobby of a hotel. Tony is there interviewing them. He asks, what does FTR stand for? (laughs) (laughs) This is fair because everybody's wondering. And uh, they say that FTR is not a tagline. It's a way of life. And... I, I get the impression that it's a fluid acronym. So right now, FTR is for the revolution. That's what they say. But it sounded like they were leaving it open so that later they can change that. They also said, like, as they used uh, follow the rules as another example, which made me think of the, uh, the tweet that uh, one of them sent out about watching Dynamite and not seeing anyone uh using the tag ropes they're just like tag ropes are just sitting there (laughs) i guess that's true (laughs) oh we'll get to it though because the next question tony has for them is what is the list of tag teams fdr would like to face now that they're here and here's the order that they list them off butcher and the blade obviously they started some shit with them private party very talented santana and ortiz longtime dudes you know, they got clout. Lucha Bros, we're open to teach them tag team wrestling. The emphasis on tag. This was so awesome. They are going hard for these two. I remember the tweet you sent, like the screenshot of the tweet you sent me where 
um, Pentagon Jr. posted something about getting back to it. And one of the FTR guys being like, yeah, we'll teach you how to tag team. Yep. <laughs> so uh, I feel like there's a good basis for them to start some stuff with Lucha Bros. If Pentagon can get into this country anytime soon. <laughs> oh, man. And yeah. poor Phoenix. He needs to heal up. I hope he's okay. Yeah. Um, one tag team that was suspiciously not on their list that they offered was Adam Page and Kenny Omega, the tag team champions currently. The obvious choice, you'd think. Uh, but, or no, wait, I'm sorry. Adam Page and Kenny Omega were on the list because they want those titles. The choice I was talking about is the Young Bucks. They are not mentioned. Tony brings them up. And FTR is like, eh, you know, they're not our dream match. You know, there's all this background and heat between them, basically, like, implied on social media and with BTE. But, like, FTR is not even that excited about it and claim that if they have a matchup, they'll just beat them quickly. And then they hope to get an apology from everyone who says the Young Bucks are the best tag team in the world because they're not, FTR is, and they will show it. So, who did they who did they call out specifically? Of the Young Bucks. Re- regarding the Young Bucks. Oh, I didn't write it down. Who did they call out? They they got mad at Dave Meltzer. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> like, get Dave Meltzer over here saying that they're the Young Bucks or the new Midnight Express. Look, Uncle Dave is biased. <laughs> I think I think we can all appreciate that and. And interpret his comments on it. But yeah, they did call up Meltzer. I forget that in this company, they're allowed to say things like that. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. So, FTR, it sounds like, has big plans for their time here. And this this was, it was a two-question interview. Tony wraps it up and he says, hey, man, or hey, guys, thanks for the interview. And also, like, he kind of had This to part totally... seemed like he thought it was off camera for some reason. <laughs> Well, he was like, I think he's Tony and he, he doesn't use curse words. He, he says, I, uh, I always thought that FTR stood for, um, he says, fuck the revival. They bleep it out, <laughs> but he clearly says, fuck the revival. And they're no. like, ah, no, it was great. I loved it. It was very fun and just a good nod to the whole BT thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it is at this time of warmth sharing this moment with Tony that the butcher and the blade decide to show up. They're at the top of the steps in this hotel lobby and they run down and we get some rando um, QT Marshall guys running in from the side and holding them back before they can get to FDR and cash. I believe it's cash. I'm not clear on which FDR man is which at this point. Yeah, me neither. I think it's cash. He says, hey, guys, we did that to you last week. That was business. It wasn't personal, so don't freak out. Let's settle it in the ring. And it sounds very reasonable. And they're like, okay. And then I think he throws water at them, which is a little bit of an antagonistic action. And uh, so the Butcher and Blade obviously get upset, but they're still being held back. And Cash and Dax turn around and are like, later, they say FTR out, and then they leave the area. (laughs) So yeah. I guess they're still not really done with the Butcher and the Blade. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, they, they made that match for next week, though. They did. Yeah. Sorry, Butchering the Blade. I, I think FTR is going to get the win. And and we got, uh, yeah, we got quite a we got quite a lineup next week, actually, because they went over at this point. We got Cole Cabana versus Sammy Guevara. We've got uh, Mark Quinn next in line as the uh, TNT Championship challenger against uh, either Cody Rose or Jungle Boy. We've got Butcher and Blade versus FTR. And we've got Orange Cassidy and the Best Friends versus the Inner Circle, which will be Hager and uh, Proud and Powerful. Yeah, it's a big... And Moxley squashes some geek on Dark. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, come on. And just today, actually, it was announced that uh, Chris Jericho is going to return to commentary for next week's show. Oh, good. I think he and Tony need to be reunited. Yeah, I wonder if that means somebody's staying home or if they're going to do a four-man booth. Because next week is actually live, right? This was taped. Okay. Yeah. Honestly... JR is a high-risk person. <laughs> Just stay I, home. <laughs> I, I do think, like... Stay home, he, JR. <laughs> if he can just stay home, maybe it's better he does. Yeah. Justin well, we'll Roberts do. has not been here the entire time, and I can only assume that means he's either very worried or perhaps falls into some extremely high-risk category. No, Justin Roberts is way too busy growing out his ridiculous top knot. I yeah, I saw it. I was like, well, same. <laughs> I feel ya. Um, but yeah, stay home, Jr. Justin. Everybody, stay home if you don't feel safe. Tony Khan claims he's cool with it. Um, and Jericho, you know, not a terrible stand-in. Mm-mm. I'm glad you wrote down all those matches. I definitely saw the blur of title cards for matches next week, and was like, Ugh, I'll see it next week. This is how I operate. When we come back from that barrage of information that you can always find next week on this show, we go backstage where Alex Marvez actually has a successful interview. He he has tracked down Cole Cabana, and he compliments him, I guess. He says, you had a very impressive performance despite falling short and not getting the win, but you know you're fighting Chris Jericho, so... All in all, impressive performance. And Colt says, yeah, you know, I know, but I can't seem to get it done in these big matches. Like, he's beaten many, uh, he doesn't say it, but jobber, but he has not been able to win the big ones, and that's killing him here in AEW. And at this point, Brody Lee and our favorite Dark Order spokesperson rolls up. I wish they would tell us his name because I don't know what it is. But Brody says, hey Colt, it's okay. <sighs> Losses are how you grow and it's not so much about the loss. It's about how you respond to that loss. And Brody goes on to say the Dark Order can help you and the spokesperson man at this point hands Colt a nice cold bottle of water and then those two walk away, having given what they assume was a good impression from the look on their faces. And after they walk away, Colt says to Marvez, like, yeah, you know, I'm not interested in that stuff. But his eyes say differently. Colt going to join the Dark Order, guys. 
Do you think that water is drugged? Oh my god, I didn't think it till now. <laughs> I thought they were trying to entice him with niceness, but what if they ruvied him? I... Oh no. I think there's a pretty good chance. I don't know. We'll see. Oh no. A cult being like mind controlled. You know what? I don't support that method of storytelling, but if they did, it would <laughs> at least give him an excuse to be a baby face who is also weirdly interested in the Dark Order. Yeah. Oh, he's going to yeah. need a lot of deprogramming. After. You have interesting opinions, and I'd like to subscribe to your newsletter. <laughs> oh, my. So, Colt. Uh, be safe please only drink water that you have poured yourself never leave your drink out recognize when that ain't water yep that ain't water let's go from that darkness to the main event where Jungle Boy is facing off against Cody for that TNT championship that is unfinished and looks like garbage Mm mm-hmm They should stop showing it. I know they won't. I know there's no excuse for Cody not to carry it around, but it looks terrible. It don't look great. It doesn't. Um, I understand why it doesn't. I get it. COVID affects us all. And in this sense, it really didn't help that title. But man, it's just like such a highlight. And you can't give that disclaimer every single time. Mm -hmm. But I mean, we'll see. Maybe they can. <laughs> I mean, they didn't. This, you know, like he's oh, just I guess holding that's true. it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's it is sad. Um, regardless, Jungle Boy wants it, but he does not get it. Cody defeats him with the crossroads, but Cody gives him such a nice match. Jungle Boy, oh, he tries. Um. Because it's a Cody match, of course, Cody has to bleed. And I feel like he really didn't this time. He but he really did. did. He really didn't. And I I mean, I understand he has this weird mentality about, like, you know, his dad and, like, you know, you bleed in main events and stuff. But, dude, save it for pay-per-views. Seriously, this is the TNT Championship on a Dynamite episode. Is he going to do this every week? Is that, is that what we need to expect? That he's just going to... Oh, I of... hope not. Ugh. Oh, I hope not. That's. Mm. I like at this point. I'm assuming not. I'm assuming he wanted to do. He wanted to like make it special for the first one or whatever. But, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, that's the upsetting part. And like, I don't know. It just seems really anticlimactic when the way he quote unquote got busted open. Was he ran his head into a wall trying to headbutt Jungle Boy? You know, I don't know. It's just, it's like, this didn't add anything. It never does for me. So I, I understand my perspective is not the majority. But I don't see what it was supposed to add. And sure, Jungle Boy got to attack the open wound for a little bit. But it didn't ultimately lead to him winning. And it didn't ultimately lead to much other than blood getting everywhere and being gross. At any point, make me think that Jungle Boy was going to beat Cody Rhodes in his first defense of his title. No, me neither. Yeah. 
Yeah, I saw that, and I was just like, it was like honestly, it was like a big turnoff to me. Which is saying a lot because usually you're into it. Usually I'm into it, but usually it's like it's like when there's like been a lot of build up to it, or it's like a big pay per view, like like the Dustin match or the Jericho match, you know. Mm-hmm. And this was just like Cody got a blade because he's Cody. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I don't love it. <sighs> they did. I, I will say this: like otherwise, they made they made it like they made this match seem like pretty important. And they made the, like they made the title feel special by doing the in-ring introductions, like they do with the other titles, and and you know they did pyro to close the show out, and and I like those aspects of it. Yeah, I think those are all good parts of this for sure. And I joke about the TNT Championship, but it is a championship, so the more they treat it with gravity, the more I'll come around to the fact that it's a TNT Championship. Um, but yeah, like, I thought the blood was unnecessary. I did think that Cody was very generous and gave Jungle Boy a lot. And I liked that after the match, he hugged him and they clearly, you know, like, out of kayfabe, total shoot, like, respect each other and it's cute. And, like, Jungle Express came out to support their boy. And it was just good vibes all around. I like that. So it was a good first defense of this. But also, if you took away the blood, I don't think you'd lose anything. No, me neither. Me neither. If I had to guess, he'll, he'll his next blade job will be at Fighter Fest. But Cody, stop! Your forehead is smooth and nice, and you're going to ruin it. <laughs> yeah, it's like I mean, I know he knows what his father's forehead looked like, and maybe maybe he has like some sick part of him wants to make it like that. Oh, every time I see Brandy, like, this is so unfair. <laughs> I I hate the, like, gender roles I've assigned in my head. But, like, every time I see Brandy out there comforting him after he's bladed himself, I'm like, girl, why are you putting up with this? Because that is messed up. Yeah. She seemed happy as a clam in there at the end with him. <laughs> I know, and I I totally take away her agency and the possibility that she actually really enjoys the throwback wrestling and blood and stuff, but if it were me, I'd be like, you need to stop doing this or we're done, because I can't sit here and pretend this is great, and also you're gross and I don't want to touch your blood. Yeah. I'm a very yeah. unsupportive partner, <laughs> I think <laughs> is what we're determining. Yeah. Well... I'm okay with it. I don't. Yeah, want... as long as as long as you've like you're self actualized. <laughs> I don't think it's unfair to ask whoever I'm with to maybe not cut their head open. That's all I'm saying. No. I've cut my finger in the kitchen twice this week. Ugh, both accidents though, right? And I'm sure uh, yes. Jenny was very appropriately concerned. It's not. Yeah, it was not blading or anything like that. Oh well, good. And yeah. also blading your finger. No offense. Seems not very effective. Bladen okay. and blood. We end it with blood. Yeah. Ugh. Um, good episode overall. I'd say. I think the uh, I think the tag title match was the was the high point for me, as far as like the matches go. The very first match. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, you know. Yeah. 
I think that one was maybe the most fun. Yeah. And then and the, the Britt Baker uh, rehab video was the true highlight. Oh, yeah, that's really good. That part where, like, she, um, where Doc Sampson was trying to hand her the weight, and she was, like, she waved it off until he handed her much lighter weight. Yeah. She was like, uh, I think she actually dropped it. Yeah. Like, no. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like her complete and utter dismissal of Doc Sampson is incredible. And I love that he's just like, oh, I got to help this girl. Not because I want to, but because it's my job. So good. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's talk ratings. Uh, if you didn't know, here in the United States of America, there are 24-hour news channels. And when something crazy happens, like tends to happen uh, pretty often, especially during this presidential administration, uh, news channels do very well with their with their viewership. So... Uh, during the early COVID times, I think uh, AEW and NXT were both suffering from that because a lot of people were watching, you know, watching news shows every night, trying to get their COVID updates, and and now it's uh, protest and and uh, rioting updates, and uh, you know, to be fair, police brutality updates, and both shows were down in viewership this week, uh, but still had their second best combined viewership total since March. So, AEW dropped 11.7% from last week. And in the demo, they dropped over 9%. So, they... Do you remember last week, they were, like, second... or I believe they were tied for third in the night in the demo. Yeah. This week, they were 27th. What the hell happened? <laughs> Every single, like, person was watching news. I, mm, no, I I totally get it, but I also don't. Because yeah, no, I, I understand. That is, like, the antithesis of what I want to do. Yeah, now NXT was only down 2% in viewership, which, so that means, so they, so NXT, uh, AW, 730,000 viewers total, NXT, 715,000 viewers total, so... Pretty close this week in overall viewership. But I think the most, you know, the most obvious thing there with AEW going down 12% and NXT only going down 2% is that once again, if you're an AEW fan, you're more likely to be engaged in what's going on in the world and want to watch news to see what's happening. Well, you're under 50. And you're under 50. Uh, because the corona, a lot of the coronavirus coverage, like I feel like anytime there's a big thing, and I think that, and this goes back to, um, uh, like playoff baseball. So basically, anytime there's a big thing that's happening that's not wrestling, AEW is going to take a bigger hit than NXT. Is what we've mm. learned since October. Yeah. And NXT was actually up 5% in 18 to 49 from last week. Weird. Yeah. Uh, as usual, AEW won every demo except for people over 50. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. It's uh, you know, the, the NXT stronghold. Oh, my God. It's so much, weird. I know how much you hate that. 
I do. It uh, it doesn't represent like the people on that show at all. Mm-mm. They're supposed to be young and upcoming talent. Yeah. Uh, as for news, not a lot of like big news items, but uh, there's a couple of like kind of interesting quotes from interviews over the past week. Uh, Chris Jericho spoke to Mark Ramondi of ESPN uh, about the angle with uh, Tyson. And they kind of talked about the, like building upon the, the spot from raw in 20 in 2010 and, and, you know, and, and just Jericho's ability to work off of whatever Tyson was doing. Cause you know, he didn't really know exactly what Tyson was going to do. Cause Tyson's a fucking loose cannon. But, oh, uh, so Jericho said, obviously the idea is to do something more. That's the thought process. I think between both parties, what that is at the moment, we're thinking and discussing, Look, Chris Jericho in a versus Mike Tyson in a wrestling match and a street fight in a boxing match, it would be big. But to me, it's the build-up and the angle and all the things we can do. That's what wrestling is all about, the storyline. The match is the cherry on top. But it's the build that's really the most entertaining part and the part that gets people really involved. So whatever it is that we decide to do as we move forward, it'll be great. You have one of the most iconic boxers and iconic personalities of all time against one of the greatest pro wrestlers and personalities of all time. It writes itself. And... He also talked about the stadium stampede. Uh, said it was shot over nine hours from Friday night to Saturday morning before it was edited to air that night. Um, let me see. He says, uh, when you film a movie, there's weeks, months of filming. Weeks and months of editing. All that different stuff. We filmed the entire stadium stampede in nine hours. From 9 p.m. to 6 a.m. Friday night to Saturday morning. And we had three hours to edit it before we had to take it to the truck. What we created in that time frame is monumental. We literally should win an Emmy for that. <laughs> I don't necessarily disagree. No, I mean, that was amazing. I think I just assumed they filmed it m- more than days in advance. Yeah, yeah, I guess they just filmed it that, that night. That's it's, it's crazy, right? Yeah. Uh, in other news, wrestler Clutch Adams recently did a match with Sean Spears that was uh, supposed to air on Tuesday's episode of Dark. And then Cody Rhodes on Twitter announced that the match had been pulled following the revelation of racist and homophobic tweets from 2013 by Adams. Uh, In a statement, Adams apologized for his past remarks. Uh, When I wrote this original tweet seven years ago, I was a 20-year-old kid. I was trash-talking friends about a football game on Twitter at that point in time. I was ignorant to the pain that those words could cause. In 2013, it was meant to be locker room trash talk that I felt was okay to use in that context. Now I know differently. I was not a hateful person back then, as I am not a hateful person today. I was stupid and ignorant. Plain and simple, no excuses. So that's actually why the Christy Janes versus Killen King match aired. Uh, that was the, the substitute for the Clutch Adams-Sean um, Spears match. Oh. No offense to them, but did that, like, blow up on Twitter? Because it... I hadn't heard about that, but I, I'm not on Twitter. It, it, I mean, it, it was on Twitter a bit, but it was, you know, it's a, it's kind of a no-name wrestler, so it didn't really get much traction because nobody really knew who he was anyway. Yeah, I wouldn't think you'd need to totally remove the match from television, but good on ya. Yeah. Uh, and one more thing, All Elite Wrestling released a video onto their digital channel, this is from uh, Post Wrestling, 
released a video onto their digital channels with Arn Anderson and Dustin Rhodes backstage, and Arn announced that he has signed a multi-year deal with the company. Uh, in the video, Arn stated that Tony Khan presented the new contract to him earlier in the day, and here's his quote from the video. You know, about a year ago, I said I don't want to be anywhere where I'm not wanted, and that's the way I felt. A year later, it seems I am wanted somewhere, and I'm very happy to say today I signed a multi-year contract with AEW. I'm absolutely thrilled to be here with all this young talent and watch this company blossom to be the platinum of our industry. The next coming years are going to see some changes, but you're going to mix some of the old in with the new, and I think the product is just going to shine as a result of it. So, Arn, in for the long haul with AEW. I like Arn. I do, too. I've always liked Arn. Uh, dark preview, we don't know, except, well, we know that John Moxley's going to wrestle. And destroy somebody. And destroy someone, yeah. And uh, Dynamite. Uh, again, I'll just go over real quick. Cody versus Mark Quinn for the TNT title. Best Friends and Orange Cassidy versus Santana Ortiz and Jake Hager. FTR versus The Butcher and the Blade. Colt Cabana versus Sammy Guevara. And Chris Jericho on commentary. So Nice. Yeah, so that uh, looks like a pretty good lineup. I'm intrigued by, I'm intrigued by the, what they do for a finish in the Best Friends at Orange Cassidy versus Inner Circle match. Because, on one hand, it's the Inner Circle, but on the other hand, it seems like Orange Cassidy is being built up for a match with Jericho, and the Best Friends can't be. You can't like just, you know, shit on them because they're getting a tag team title shot at Fighter Fest. So. I think the booking of that's going to be interesting to see what they think of it, of everybody. Well, you can always count on the inner circle to cheat. You can, but like looking at this, I, I, I am, I kind of almost expect one of proud and powerful to get, to take the pen here. Yeah. I think if you had to pick out of all those people. Because none of the, none of the inner circle guys have anything of immediate importance, like at Fighter Fest, whereas all three of the best friends at Orange Cassidy probably do. Yeah, and you're obviously not going to pin Hager because he's, he's a Hager. giant, scary man. Yeah, yeah. I think, I, and I think you know, it's not that I love Jake Hager, but I think with a character like Jake Hager, the more you beat him, the less you know, the less value he has. Yeah, and you know, update me if Jake Hager is. Has decided to become a great human being. I will. I'll let you know. I'm still going off his uh, transphobic stuff, which I find a deal breaker. Yeah, yeah. But again, maybe he'll have a Jericho turn. Maybe in this company, full of diverse people, he will see that his opinions are trash. Maybe. Maybe. I hope so. I will happily celebrate him if that's what happens. Absolutely. I am I am I am just I am just itching to celebrate Jake Hager. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that is about it for today. We've gone through everything. What a week it was for the United States of America. And uh and you know, as usual, the wrestling world reflects a bit of that and and uh and uh, black lives do matter. So if you take away nothing else from today, take away that. Yeah, it's been a week of uh, unrest and pain for us currently, but centuries. Centuries? 
many, many yeah. years. Yeah, centuries. Of um, 400 years. This for people of color. So yeah. you think you got it bad now, this week? Just imagine the whole history and try to empathize and sympathize with people who are not you. Just try. It will be great. So for Megan and for Jenny, I'm Andy. Thank you all for listening to the Elite Beat. E, Elite Beat. E, E, Elite Beat. I always forget I'm Jenny Stanton. (laughs)